This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. That, that's a, a New England Patriots where were you moment. Brady yeah. to Moss, right, in 07 is up there. 28 to <laughs> oh, 3, yeah, of right course, going chronologically here. Uh, 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 Quinn Nordeen going 10 for 10 in the in-stadium <laughs> practice. And, and Mac Jones against the Giants in joint practice. Right up there with Brady DeMoss to break the all-time touchdown record <laughs> and receiving touchdown record. A joint pra- that That's what this time of year is all about, though, right? It's yeah. overreacting and getting too excited uh, about a joint practice in the middle of August. And uh, I, I feel like I have some takes that, that people don't like about, about some of the younger about receivers. Most about, about some of the things, things where I'm just like, let's just – let's not get their sizing for the red jacket just yet. Let's just, let's just let them play a couple games, but it's Evan Lazar, Alex Barth, Patriots catch 22 with you. Uh, we're going to do the full two hours today. We're going to lead yeah. right into Patriots unfiltered with special guest, Alex Barth, because I have to get on a plane again and go to Nashville uh, here in a couple of hours. Uh, what was me? Right. Oh, oh poor Evan. Watch yeah, football you, yeah, you get jumped on me plane. on that one. Oh man. Uh, anyways, but yeah, we'll we'll have you uh, up, up till Patriots unfiltered, and we got a lot to talk about. I, I do want to go back. I know we've turned the page from the Packers a little bit, but I, I do want to go back and talk a little bit about the Green Bay game. I uh, have, have some takes, not not anything to do with the end of the game, but more takes about the the actual game itself. And uh, we're gonna do some roster projection stuff. We're not gonna go through the entire roster. Uh, projection, but we're going to go through some of the hot button positions, uh, running back, receiver, offensive line, maybe some of the defensive spots too. So we'll we'll do a little bit of a jump around there uh, on the roster projections, and then we also have some players to watch uh, for you guys tomorrow night in Tennessee. So uh, somebody in the chat has a good one too. If we need to fill four hours, what is it? Uh, a sleeper on offense and defense that will be a major contributor that nobody's talking about. All right. I, I like that as well. Uh, we'll. We'll get to all of it, but I do want to – I have some things that I'm excited about and things I'm not excited about from uh, th- Saturday night yes. in Green Bay. And so I'm going to pitch them to you, and then you can you can tell me if I'm – overreacting underreacting whatever the case may be so let's we're we're a positive show we like to keep it positive as much as we possibly can we're objective but we're positive and uh so i want to start i think the two are confused often (laughs) i want to start with the good what i'm excited about and I, i think the main thing that i came away from saturday night excited about is this is the type of offense that Bill O'Brien is designing and installing here in New England in his second stint. This is the type of offense that I have wanted Mac Jones to be in since they, the day he drafted him. Right, The day that they drafted Mac Jones in the first round, I've been clamoring for all of the things that Bill O'Brien has given me in just a short period of time. And uh, I'm excited to see what it looks like two months from now like if this is where we're starting right let's see what it looks like in a couple of months and it's going to be even better i know everybody everybody already knows i'm obsessed with rpos i love rpos i don't care who knows i love rpos those are in the offense uh empty i, I love some of the things that they did out of empty i love how they're 
they're calculating deep shots, but they're more about efficiency. You know, deep shots under uh, off of under center play action, seam shots out of empty. Like those are the types of throws that I want to see uh, Mac Jones making down the field. I, I don't want to spread it out and and, and be uh, Bruce Arians like last year, right? Where we're just running uh, nine eight nine, you know, go go post and trying to chuck it down the field. I want to be more calculated with how they take their chances down the field, and I think they're going to do that. And I love the control at the line of scrimmage, uh, the ability to check in and out of plays, all of the things that we talk about, like what are the good traits of Mac Jones? It's great that they're empowering him to use his mind again, because I think that that's really a strength of his game. And it's not just pre-snap. I think a lot of people are getting caught up in some of the, the checks and some of the adjustments. That's, that's, good too uh but post snap uh, the route adjustments the site adjustments that they're making the option routes that they're running like those are the types of things as well that i think he is going to be a step ahead on both with the defense and then when you get everybody on the same page that will be really good as well but i think that helps him not have to make a ton of tight window throws down the field and i know some people see arm strength concerns see mobility concerns with mac jones and look at the ceiling with the offense under mac jones but for me if you do all these types of things if you give him these answers to the test those tools that he likes to talk about at his disposal and you allow him to really just distribute the football and be a step ahead of the defense that's going to be how mac jones is going to be at his best so schematically x's and o's wise the concepts themselves i love what they're doing it's basically the 2011 bill o'brien offense combined with alabama's offense i think it's disingenuous or incorrect to say this is anything like what they did with josh mcdaniels i really feel like this is significantly different than what they ran with McDaniels. This is uh, McDaniels was, and I'm not. You know, I love McDaniels, so I'm not. I'm not crapping on McDaniels. But McDaniels yeah. was a two back under center base formation team. That was how they played first and second down with the fullback in the backfield, power run game, lead ISO, play action off of it. Like that's McDaniels. This is a spread system with a lot more college bells and whistles with the RPOs and with the motion and things like that than what they did in 2021. So I think this is a whole new thing. Uh, Matt called it a, what a, a melting pot of some of the things that they've done here in the past. And, and some of the things that they did, he did at Alabama and Bill O'Brien did at Alabama. I I'm giddy uh, about the scheme. Well, they run it at, a, at as high of a level as it, it possibly can be run at. That's a totally different conversation that we'll get into. Uh, but in terms of what they're drawing up on the whiteboard, this is exactly what I've wanted to see. Yeah, and it, just to go back to, to something you talked about there, comparing it to the Josh McDaniels offense, we heard, we've heard players say, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's some new stuff, some of what we did last year, some of what we did before. I wonder if that's maybe like terminology. Yeah. There are elements you see where it's it resembles stuff they did with McDaniels, but from that spread – base rather than from that pro base if that makes sense yeah so but but overall yeah it's it's so funny I was comparing it to somebody the other day just watching that offense on Saturday night it's like seeing an old friend you haven't seen in a while some of the stuff they're doing oh RPO where have you been look at that Kendrick Bourne in the offense I missed you bud you look good like stuff like that and so yeah even things as simple as again Kendrick Bourne being involved to some of the schematic stuff they're doing it's to use your analogy all the time, you know, they're already at last year. What were they at? Like a fourth, fifth grade level. They're already at like a 10th grade level now. And it's going to just, they're going to yeah. build from that because 
you don't show all the bells and whistles in the preseason. You grow from that point. And so, and, and there's reason to believe seeing what they did the other night, like schematically they can grow. I think they can get better too, but there's also, you set stuff up. How are you going to build off the stuff you're setting up? You're not going to show that in the preseason unless you're Jeff Fisher in the 2009 hall of fame game, for some reason, breaking out the greatest fake punt of all time in a game that means nothing. So I was really encouraged by what I saw schematically from the offense. Now it's on the players to execute it. This is kind of when we get the answer. I, I was somebody who very effusively said last year, the roster's better than what the, the product on the field indicates. They're not gonna, being put in a position to succeed. You're going to be put to the test on that one. We're going to figure it out because I think, based, and it's you know three drives, but based on what we saw Saturday night, the things Mac Jones was doing are things he does well. The things Kendrick Bourne was being asked to do are the things he does well. Devontae Parker. But the offensive line will get to, but everybody else I felt like was put in a spot to succeed. So now can they do it? Can they execute it? This is They're, they're giving the players all the tools. Yeah. Now it's up to them to put it together. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's a consistency thing because we, yeah. we've seen it a lot in camp but then you get back to some of that grenade offense stuff where uh, you know a, a protection breakdown here or a right. little bit of a miscommunication there for example you know they the the seam throw to hunter henry like that throw is going to be available to this offense for the entire season yeah hunter henry up the seam gets sicky when he's fully back up the seam those throws are going to be available and open I think to this offense but that one whether he was protecting him from the safety whether he thought he was going to fade versus you know kind of cut it back inside I, I you know only Mac and Hunter Henry can answer that question but the bottom line is is that that's a throw they got to make because that, right. that's an explosive in this offense that they're going to have to be able to hit it can't all be you know, five yard passes on option routes to Mario Douglas and Kendrick Bourne and whoever, or, you know, slants to Kendrick Bourne or whatever. You got to push it down the field sometimes. And that's, right. those are the ways that you're going to push. That's going to be their version of stretching the field. I also think, you know, similarly with Devonte Parker, that, that throw, I thought that was a competitive throw. If we can, I don't want to get bogged down with people and arguing whether or not it was a good throw or not. a good. Have throw. you seen the one guy on Twitter that anytime you tweet about that play, he yes. posts like he a, a has screenshot. The, the picture of it. Yeah, yeah. great. Let, let's move on from screenshots. Love evaluating plays but off a single frame. Bottom line, I thought that was a competitive throw that, that Parker probably should have had, and I actually think in the regular season he probably lays out for that pass and, and does make the catch, uh, but maybe made a little bit of a of a decision there to not to not lay out for it in a preseason game. So I, in all, like I said, I loved what they did. A lot of it was, like you said, they're starting from a much higher level, but so much of that was like Bill O'Brien day one install. Like it yeah. was, that wasn't, we're not really even uh, at the advanced beginner or advanced, uh, you know, stages or the PhD stage yet. They're running concepts uh, that, that are very, very, uh, like I said, basic stuff. Day one install stuff for Bill O'Brien. Uh, so that's really encouraging. I do want to touch just briefly before we move on from the, the O'Brien effect and the X's and O's. The RPO stuff is going to be a really, really exciting thing for all of us and me, especially because I've been banging the table for three years for them to have a sophisticated RPO package with Mac Jones. I, I really like what they're what they're thinking up in that situation, and it's I think that it's going to evolve even past like just slants and stuff like that. I would hope so. It, yeah. It's going to get exciting. I, I believe there were a couple of them. That could have been executed a little bit better. I thought the first one, they got kind of lucky. They, there was 
city so was probably five yards down the field so they're, they're gonna have <laughs> to work on the illegal man down the field thing I, I personally i i think all teams that run them like philly and kansas city they push the envelope on that and they force the referees to make the call like yeah. you know it, it, so i think that that's okay it, i think it's one of those calls that like because the rule's a yard if you're a yeah. yard and a half that generally doesn't get called yeah. it's as long as you're not into the second level right yeah he was pretty far down the field uh the other thing i would say about it is you know the timing like the one the second one to born he, he got open at the line of scrimmage on the slant uh mac probably should have waited second window but then you get into the things of the illegal man downfield. The longer right. the quarterback holds the ball, the further down the field the linemen are going to get. So RPOs are really designed for the ball to come out extremely quickly. Otherwise, you're going to get flagged every other RPO for a legal man down the field. But uh, just to wrap it up on this, PFF uh, tweeted out the other day that the Patriots have had an RPO rate of nearly 19% in the preseason, which is the third highest rate. Yeah in the league i believe the eagles and the chiefs were the one and two last year in rpo usage and they're usually between 20 and 25 percent that that's roughly the amount of offense that they use it's early down offense it's a first down call every once in a while i suppose it could be a third down call depending on the down and distance Uh, but you're talking about one fourth of the playbook so as 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 infatuated as I am with them, as excited as I get about RPOs, uh, it do, you do have to think in in terms of the fact that they're seventy five to eighty percent of the time they're running something else, right? So yeah. it, it's really just a, a snapshot of it. Uh, quickly on the run game and, the, and that sort of thing, I, I I think it's interesting what they're doing in the run game. They're one back, right? They're not going to be a full back team. Uh, they're running a lot of duo and inside zone uh, through the middle of the field. I, I like that. I think Ramondre Stevenson likes running that. I think he makes really good reads and cuts off of those inside runs. I do think it's going to be an interesting dynamic as we go along here. How well can they block it without a fullback? I, I think is going to be very, um, you know, a big question mark because they don't really have unless they keep Sokol or, or Ferkser on the roster, and we'll get to right. that, they don't really have a difference-making blocker at tight end right now. And obviously we know where the offensive line stands, and it is difficult to block those runs without a lead blocker if you're not really good at the point of attack. So that that's going to be uh, another schematic thing that they're going to have to work through. Uh, you got anything else on that, or should we? Yeah, well, I, I just think I'm actually not super worried about that because yeah. I remember – so Ramondre's first year here was Josh McDaniels and Jakob Johnson was here. Yeah. And then it was early last year we asked him about – somebody asked him about what it was like not running behind a fullback. And they were like, you know, you ran behind Jakob last year. And he said he never – in high school and college, he never ran behind a fullback. He was always in these spread sets. And he actually preferred it because – Right, but when, I'm not worried about Ramondre preferring it. I'm worried about them actually being able to block it. But I'm saying I think he's a guy that's adept to – being able to figure it out. Yeah. Like, I don't know that a fullback fixes a ton because I think a lot of Ramondre's skill set is field vision and identifying yeah. the hole and going. And if he, like, I trust his ability if the initial hole is clogged up to adjust and go go elsewhere, right? So, it, yeah, I mean, the offensive line's a concern overall, but I don't, yeah, we can get fullback doesn't line. really change a lot f- for me in, in that regard. Okay, so the other thing that I liked uh, was elements of the game for Mac Jones. I I think saying that Mac Jones was bad in that game is incorrect. And I think that saying that Mac Jones was great in that game is also incorrect. He was okay. He was fine. Uh, He did what he was supposed to do. 
and I think that's the most encouraging thing. Yeah, is that his eyes and his his decision making uh, were all in the right places. Like some, there was so many times last year where he would like open with his eyes on the left side and the the open receiver would be right and he right. just would never see the receiver like he would never get through the progression to make the read or it was like a rhythm throw so he never he just wasn't opening to the right direction and usually it's two things one you know they read the safeties obviously that's where you start yeah but sometimes uh you know good quarterbacks will actually read the uh the way that the defensive line is aligned because most of the time the defensive coordinator is going to protect the defensive line in the run fit. So you're not going to necessarily rotate away from the three technique a lot because then that's going to leave a big bubble to just run it down your throat if you do that. Right. So a lot of the times quarterbacks will also read the front in terms of how uh, pre-snap, you know, where is the defensive line shaded? Where is the line, uh, you know, where's the nose? Where's the three technique? Like that sort of thing and make decisions based on that. I-, I thought that his eyes and his decision-making and his poise were all really good in this game. Obviously the individual throws you have, you know, the Kendrick Bourne, throw under pressure yeah. you have demario douglas on third down uh, those are good throws as well but I, I more importantly than the actual results and the throws he was making i was really encouraged by his overall poise grasp of what they were doing and again his field vision in his eyes it felt like there was a, a much better i don't know just sort of like direction uh, of where he was headed on every single play even though the results might not have been perfect every single time he dropped back i thought that he was much more uh much sharper uh with his decision making and with his processing in this game if you go way back to when we did that show before camp you know what are you looking for from each position my thing with mac was is he sped up yeah is he how is he going to handle pressure because he's going to have to handle pressure this year with that offensive line and i thought he did a very good job with that i thought the throw to Parker, I wish he hit it because that's the play you look at and you yeah. say that's everything he didn't do last year. But yeah. you watch how he manipulated the pocket yep. on that rep, right? Stepped up, moved around, got rid of the ball. There were a couple other times where I thought he was good at, at, at recognizing the pressure. Uh, both sacks came like just unblocked, essentially unblocked rusher on the on the blind side. So yeah, I, I thought he was good in that regard. He didn't look sped up. The other thing I thought he did last year, late in the year, and this is part of being sped up, he was going right to that check down. It was first read, not there, check down. Maybe that was the design. I don't know, but he wasn't he wasn't going right to the running back, right? Yeah. Which you don't always you don't necessarily want him to look right to the running back unless that's the design. So for him to kind of explore some of that deeper stuff. Now he has said, you know, preseason training camp. That's when you test things, and maybe this is him testing it, and he's not as worried. But I kind of want him to take some of that mentality into the regular season if that's the case. Yeah, there was just so many instances last year where. Like that Demario Douglas play on on third down, is does that happen? Like, does he identify the coverage bust? Know where well, he should be going? So with much the of ball that doesn't and, happen last year because they use motion on that play. Yeah, the way that and it's a coverage bust. But why did the coverage bust there? Because the way Hunter Henry released his route, yeah, opened it up. Well, for Demario they also Douglas. just rotated the back end the wrong way. Right, it, they, it was a total coverage bust. No, but they still had two and two. They still a two on two. On they that did, side. yeah. They're they're underneath zone distribution. It doesn't matter. They're underneath zone distribution was was busted. They, I, they, it was, I I feel like the way Hunter Henry ran the route there in some way drew the like there were two guys there and they essentially had a read. I'm gonna take one. I'm gonna take the other, and they both yeah. took Hunter Henry. You can call that a bust, and that is a bust, but it's also it's a bust because we're gonna put two guys in the same yeah, spot. Yeah, there, there and was split some them. conflict there. Yeah. Too. So. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, the Mac part of it, too. I, it's funny you just brought that up because that whole play, like I loved that whole play because yeah. there were so many things there that 
we didn't see last season. Yeah, so that's a cool play. That's one of my favorite Bill O'Brien plays that they run. Uh, so basically, they they had uh, we actually talked about this on the sports hub I think the other night. They have a, a option route at both levels. So they have a six, Demario Douglas is running a six yard option, and Hunter Henry is running a twelve yard option. And basically, they all they're going to do is run in that stack. And Hunter Henry is going to release off the line of scrimmage and his vertical release is going to create a little bit of uh, airspace for Demario Douglas to just go to work. And if it's man coverage, he can juke his man in or out. If it's zone coverage, he's going to sit it down and ended up being zoned. So that's why he ends up sitting down the route. Uh, Those are the types of plays that I I always really like with O'Brien. I think the other one that I really like just from a schematic design perspective was uh, actually a miss. It was the Hunter Henry throw up the seam. Uh, That's a play where you have a zone beater on one side and you have a man beater on the other. And that's, that's good design of offense. And when Mac read man coverage, he worked the right side of the formation. But if he had red zone, then he probably would have worked the X follow side of the formation on the left-hand side. That that's the way that you can give the quarterback answers to the test is you got zone beaters. You got man beaters. Everything is going to work against everything and you're going to figure it out post snap and you can make the right decision with the football. And And, you just have to, and and that's Bill O'Brien's offense to a T, but then, you know, it's, you have to figure out what it is. And that's where I say they're putting it in on Mac and on the players. Yeah. The opportunities are going to be there. He's just got to go back and make that read and figure out what it is. And he did that in that instance. And you hope he can continue to do it. All right. One more, uh, what I liked about this game, and then we'll move over to the, some of the things I didn't like as much. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne was flat out awesome in this game. Like there was just a lot of great things that he did. The blocking, it's both, almost like he's a good player. Both in the run game and the he made some good blocks to try to get guys after the catch yeah. too. And, he set that big bl- block on the Ramondre run too. Yeah, right. The, yeah, yeah, point of yeah. attack on the Ramondre run was was the highlight for him. Yeah. Just clocked the the. Uh, the, I think it was a safety and just walked them right out of the gap. I mean, just a great, great block. And those are the types of blocks that we've talked about before, how the Patriots view Kendrick Bourne as like a passing down player, as a yeah. third down player, passing situation player. If he's, I think it's 80% of his snaps with the Patriots have been a pass in Kendrick Bourne's okay. career with the Patriots. I think that's right. If he blocks like that more. Is it career is that last year? No, the, since, they, okay. since they got him. Uh, under McDaniels too. So if he blocks like that, then he's going to have more opportunity on first down, which is what you want to see. His route running in this game, I thought his route running against Jair Alexander in practice last week, for what it's worth, was also fantastic. He made a ran a great route in the red zone that I think actually ended up getting on Twitter. If, if people want to look that one up against Jair, that was a great route. Uh, but his route running on those slants, I mean, he's he's really separating at the line of scrimmage. He ran a great route on that in cut and then made the catch. And, you know, went above and made the catch uh, on that third down play. He was open the entire game. Like, he, he was open on every single route that he ran. He blocked extremely well. I'm getting to the point now, based off of just what we've seen, and I, I think the one thing I'll say with Juju is I am waiting for the regular season to come around because he's a veteran and he might just be one of those guys that just flips the switch when the games start to count. Yeah. I could see that. But we're getting to the point now where I think we really seriously need to consider Kendrick Bourne as their number two receiver. And I number one, maybe even in targets. But when I say number two, I mean Devontae Parker is going to be your ex. And I think yeah. Kendrick Bourne being the top Z receiver is in play. I mean, I was trying to tell you this, whatever it was, three, oh four God. months. Do you remember this? I was trying to tell you this three, four months ago. He's reaching for the mouse. He wants to take calls. He doesn't want to answer for this. Kendrick Bourne makes plays. 
He does. Kendrick Bourne, he, okay, when you be, put the fair, ball in Kendrick fair, Bourne's hands, good things happen. To be fair, I think Kendrick Bourne looks the best I've ever seen him right now. Like I think, okay. th- I think this version of Kendrick Bourne so far is better than even the 2021. Version I would of- say so as well. But yeah. it's it's I I think in theory he could have made this jump last year if given the opportunity, and he That's fair. he was never given because we said that last year. All right, first year in the system, and he acknowledged at times in 2021 yeah. that the playbook was tough for him to pick up. And I get it; it's a tough playbook. Yeah, but he acknowledged that at times. So going into last season, this was a big conversation. Hey, th- like this guy. He was on a 1,000-yard pace for most of the season, kind of fell off late because he got COVID, but 1,000-yard pace for most of the season, 90-yard catch for most of the season. If they fully incorporate him, he's going to take off, and then he got benched essentially in training camp and never recovered. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the jump I was waiting for last year. I always felt he was capable of doing this. He just needed to be given the chance, and it really looks like right now they're going to give him the chance. I saw Fox Sports had like a most tradable player on each team list. The other day, and they had Kendrick Bourne Absolutely on there. Absolutely ridiculous list. Ab- I, so I didn't look at any of the other teams. He's the best receiver on the team. They can't. They cannot. I, I know there's a couple of people that still are kind of, you know, with Kayshawn Booty yeah. and Demario Douglas taking yeah. off. Oh, do we revisit that? Because there were rumors last year they were talking about trading Bourne. Yeah. Absolutely not. First of all, the most tradable player on the team is Nick Folk. Sec- <laughs> he is. Am I wrong? No, but Kendrick Bourne and, but is the best receiver on Kendrick the team. Kendrick Bourne, I'm so happy to hear you say that but i had to see it first like i, I that, that's, that's I, but that's I, you saw I it am. in 2021 um, no i you didn't saw, i saw it no. i saw it in 2021 Ken, in 2021 i saw it ca- coming he's catching a shallow drag against the titans and then they're playing like you know like thousand like, yard pace like for wearing, 10 games he's Evan. wearing like an invisibility cloak as he runs down the thousand sidelines like chris hogan in, in, in invisibility cloak he made i know which player you're talking about it makes three guys miss on that play he didn't make three guys he made three miss. guys miss we can pull the play up we can pull the play up he makes three guys miss on that play no they the have – I have always – I think Kendrick Bourne can be a 1,000-yard receiver in the NFL. I believe that I'm in the right circumstance. That. From what we've seen – I don't know seen, about 1,000. I don't know if he'll get that target share, but I'm starting to believe that – I'm starting to believe that he's the best receiver on the team. Uh, let me put you that all right. way. He leads – Is that enough, nice enough for you? Am yes I or no. Yes or, no, no, no. I've got how I want to put it. Yes or yeah. no on this. He will lead the tar- the team this year in either just w- just one doesn't have to be all of them just one yeah catches yards touchdowns he will lead the team in a major receiving stat this year yes or no also yes I think he'll probably lead the team in yards I think just in terms of I don't know if he he catches probably not because he's not a volume guy he's I'll, not I'll give a you volume that. guy but I think what if if you ask me and this is my whole take on this whole thing now. I think he needs to be a volume guy. I think he should be a volume. Wow, guy. you've come all the way around. I love this. He's just had the best summer. Like, yeah, he, he, no, I'm I'm with you. And he looks stronger. He looks more explosive. Uh, he looks focused. Like I, I, I just see a different player. I, I really do. And uh, I, I, when I say a different player, I mean I agree with you. I think your take about this was probably the jump he should have taken last yeah. year, but he didn't because of the situation. I think that's spot on, and, and we're really seeing that this year. It's very rare, and I think this is where my hesitation was with Kendrick Bourne that I want to move on. It's very rare that a receiver, what, six, seven years into his NFL career, all of a sudden be- blossoms into this like Pro Bowl caliber receiver. Usually by this point, you kind of know who guys are. You you, you don't really see well, that look, too often. He was be- like we talk a lot about the year two yeah. leap and things like that. Or in this case, maybe a lot of the 2021 class is going to have a year three leap just because of how horrible everything was last year. But in general, seven years into your NFL career, becoming all of a sudden going from a career like 600-yard guy to 1,000 is, is pretty well, rare. Well, can I give you a couple – 
I mean, they're not apples to apples. They happen yeah. to both be on defense. But first of all, Dietrich Wise had the, you know, the year rarely talked about year six leap yeah, last year. I Honestly, a guy I think, and it's another guy I like, so maybe I'm a little biased here, but. Shocker. How about Jabril Peppers? Jabril Peppers was misused, like, badly in Cleveland, well, went to New York I, well, and figured it out. Well, let's put that on the, I, I, I have that on my list. Okay, but I would just yeah. say, like, Kendrick Bourne kind of buried in San Francisco, yes. comes here, sort of breaks out before he got sick in 2021, and then last year never had a chance yeah. because of circumstance outside of his control. So it's it's year six for Bourne, but it's also, it's not like he was out there playing poorly. Yeah, There were reasons outside of his control that he maybe wasn't able to produce up to his potential this year. They should give him every chance in the world to do that. And I hope they do. I'm excited for it. And I'm excited for him because when he gets going to, we didn't even talk about like his, his, I think him and Mac have the best chemistry. Yeah. Like of all the pass catchers, it's, it's his max. uh, He's max guy. And I think just the energy he brings, I've always said like the way he approaches the game, uh, Kendrick Bourne can play for my team any day. I'll find a role for him. When he gets going and then he becomes like a leader, he becomes a voice, that's a yeah. guy I want to be a voice. So I, I really hope that his he keeps this momentum going into the regular season. Feed KB. I, yeah. I, I really feel like that's the, the biggest thing. All right. We're going to be negative now for a second. All right. Don't 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 freak out. I mean, me, everybody. are we talking about the offensive line? Uh, or we're going to a little bit. I think yeah. most people would agree with this. So, <laughs> I don't so think people my, would fault us for being negative my, about my, this. My attempt at a, a backwards, I guess it's kind of a compliment sandwich. I don't know. Uh, here's my the things I don't like. Okay. Well, it's not a compliment sandwich then. Number one, I did not for Mac. Yeah. The one nitpick on this film I thought for Mac Jones, I didn't love the city south sack. Didn't love it. So. City Sal gets long arm bull rush by Kingsley and Agabari, gets put on skates and walked back into the quarterback. Not Mac's fault, right? Like you're not not Mac's fault that he's in a preseason game with a rookie right tackle who played right. guard in college and is now trying to transition to tackle. I mean, he got put on skates. To- totally not his fault. That sack because you time punts, hang yeah. times I time sacks. That ta- that sack was three point seven five seconds. Uh, so what was what was was it like a deep route combination or no? So he was looking at Hunter Henry at the sticks. Okay, he had Hunter Henry on like a little sit route, and there was three guys in the, in the triangle. Just you know, Hunter Henry was in the middle of a three tri- guy yeah. triangle, and he had he had two options on the play. I felt like one was throw it with some steam and throw it low to Hunter Henry and try to sneak it in the window. Yeah. Or the other thing was, and this is, I think, where the concerns just in general come from Mac Jones in the ceiling at the quarterback position, get out of the pocket, right? Like, right. you know, because he had time. What was left of the pocket. He had, But he had time to make a decision, yeah. is my point, of either trying to extend the play by getting out of the pocket, and then maybe you make the Hunter Henry throw then once you, once you get yourself some more time, or to just grip it and rip it and try to hit it into the tight window to Henry. I think what ended up happening was, is that Sal, uh, so was, uh, I keep saying Sal, so yeah. was, was getting bullied so badly that Enigbari was in his face. So right. he couldn't see on the, to the other side of the line of scrimmage of uh, who was open and who wasn't. Kendra Bourne again was wide open on the right sideline, but it's open, but it's, it's difficult to make that throw. Those are the one play where, uh, a more mobile quarterback and somebody that has a little bit more of that, uh, you know, second reaction gameplay, you know, instincts, I-, I think gets out of the pocket on that play and, and tries to tries to save it somehow. 
3.75 seconds, I need a decision by the that's quarterback. That's fair. No, that's, that that's, that, that's a fair nitpick. So that was my one nitpick of Mac. I don't want to go, like, too long on that because it's just – it wasn't egregious. It's one play. He didn't have a perfect game. We're, we're, neither right. of us are saying he had a perfect game. Right. The other thing I would say – I so on the strip sack, he – it's Haas Juke. I think he's looking to, to, to uh, Juju on the Juke route. And – what. He's either looking at Juju on the juke route and then was trying to get to number two, which was a wide-open Kendrick Bourne. Shocker. Right. Or he was trying to manipulate the coverage by looking off the, the help defender to then work it to Kendrick Bourne, who is wide-open. Shocker. I, I don't know which one it was, but either way, I felt like he was a little loose with the ball in the pocket. Like, that's probably a play that you wouldn't ideally like to end in the strip sack, especially because they were in scoring territory, so that you got to come away with three points yeah. there. Now, with that being said, I time sacks. 2.7 seconds for Andrew Stuber to get dusted by Anagbari on that. Not long enough. Not not long enough to come off the first read and get to the second yeah, read in the progression. If it's a quick game throw, if it's a rhythm throw, those usually come out in around 2.5 to 2.75. But if you're making a full field progression read, there's no way you're doing that in 2.7 And that's seconds. a blindside one, too. Like, yeah. you can't see that coming. Yeah. Somebody's got to communicate that. So that's him. that's how I felt about bowl sacks. I, I don't really put the, the strip sack totally on Mac. I think that that one is a really difficult play uh, to put on him. The south sack, south sack, I thought that he probably could have made either gotten the ball out or tried to scramble to extend yeah. the play a little bit and move out, off, out of the pocket and make something happen there. The other uh, uh, thing I did not like about this game – well, just the offensive line as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but I thought that some of the PFF metrics, not to pick on my guys at PFF because I love them, but you're going to go and look those things up and see that Mac Jones only under pressure on 33% of his drives. That feels low. Very low. That feels so low. So what was happening in a lot of this film uh, to me was guys were losing or about to lose blocks, and the ball was either coming out or... Or they lost a block in the run game, but the ball went the other way, like things like that. But what you can tell when you when you watch the end zone angle is when guys are struggling and are are falling off their block or losing the block in pass protection and just get lucky, kind of that the ball yeah. comes out. And I thought there was a lot of that going on. Uh, specifically, uh, so was was rough in this game. This he was better in the first game. This one was tough. Uh, but I I would even I would too just at the same time that's good for Matt. That's a good sign for Mac in the passing game because that's how the offense is designed yeah. is that you're getting the ball out before these guys yeah. can fall off. Their yeah. blocks. Well, that's sort of my point is that yeah. we talk a lot about on, on the show. People ask us all the time, Alex, like how do they work around this? How do they get around the fact that their offensive line might be a deficiency? We've talked about scheme ways to, you know, passes at the line of scrimmage, just, you know, sh- quick game, RPO screen, like all that kind of stuff. And the other thing is, is that the quarterback's got to be his best pass protector. Yep. And this is a positive. We talked about it. I, I thought Mac did a good job of that for the most part. I mentioned yeah. uh, the one sack where I felt like he could have gotten the ball or made a play uh, to get the ball out instead of taking the sack. But in general, I thought that he was solid in that regard. Uh, but that that's really where we're headed with this offensive line. And I, I think the one positive thing – uh, we did see Mike Onwenu out at practice yesterday. I, I cannot overstate how huge that is that Onwenu is practicing. I think that that tells me, I know how you feel about this, that they feel like he's on track for week one. Yeah, if not week one, like two or three, right? Yeah. Just early in the season. But yeah, I, I feel better about him for week one than I do for Cole Strange at this point. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say on that, so now we get into that conversation of where is he going to play? Because 
the one bright spot, I was not impressed with the offensive line at all in that game. But uh, Riley Reef held up at right right guard, I thought, pretty well. He was okay. Yeah. I, so, I thought he he treaded water. He hasn't played right guard a lot in a game in probably ever. I mean, at I least went, since like college. I went back to through his entire PFF like snaps by yeah. position. I couldn't find a, a guard snap. Did you do college regular. too? No, I didn't go that far back. Okay. I don't know if they'd have college that far back. Cause okay, fair enough. Yeah, he's been in the league for yeah. a long time. I, the, the one thing I would say about it, again, is I if you need to start having that conversation about Mike Onwenu at right tackle. Yeah. You really do. Cause that, I don't think they're serious about that. And that's a shame. That's a I shame. Mean, based on, Although, let me ask you this. Yeah. They are so big on continuity. Yeah. And Riley Reef continues to rep at right guard. Could that be a sign that... It's you know it's come. That's the if one they're gonna reason move why him I back feel out, like that it could happen. Right, if they're going to move him back out to right tackle, him being Reef. Yeah. Why wouldn't you just have him rep? And maybe it's they want City So to get the reps, and it's that simple. But for a team that's so big on continuity in the offensive line, I feel like you would be all right. It's a one for one swap once this guy gets back, rather than taking this guy in, this guy out, moving this guy over. That's that's what I'm holding out hope on. Is it, it's kind of same same for me. They're training that offensive line. To basically be Trent Strange, Andrews, Reef. Obviously, Strange isn't out there either. But they're they're putting Trent, Andrews, and, and Reef in the spots that they're going to be in Week One. Yeah, and then hopefully you get the two got uh, you know Strange and Onwenu back. We got Onwenu back already, but hopefully Strange comes back as well. And then you just put them into their spots for Mafia and so like that. That would make that's what Dante Scarnecchia would do. Right, Scarnecchia would not have Reef repping in practice at right guard, knowing in the back of his mind that he was going to be playing right tackle once the season came around. That that wouldn't make any sense from his point of view because he's so big, like you just mentioned, on the continuity and seeing it through the same set of eyes and all that kind of stuff. So I, I, ha- I don't want to speak for, for Scar. I'm not Scar. But I have to imagine that based off of all of the philosophies that he's ever told us when we've had him available to the right. media and things like that, it that would not make any sense in the Scar rulebook. And you have a guy in Adrian Clem who – and Bill O'Brien. Uh, Adrian Clem yeah. played for Scar and Bill O'Brien coached under Scar. So, and we know that he – you know, they'll talk – we know they still talk to him. Yeah. So maybe they're – yeah, I, I think you can't throw out a, philo- a core philosophy of Dante Scarnecki is when looking at it like that. So that's why – you're right. I'm probably I probably my hopes up too much, but I'm still holding out hope that week one Mike Gwen who's in there at right tackle. Me too. Because oh. C- City So's not ready, and he's maybe in a year or two they turn him into a, a, a right tackle, an NFL right tackle. But he's not ready to play right tackle. Right no, now. He, his pad level and his footwork are are both bad. It's the footwork for spot. me. It's the I, I go back to that sack where he his feet are just flailing under yeah. him as he's getting pushed back. And yeah. when you're the, you you talk about this all the time. These the big if you want to play tackling, you're a big guy and he's what, yeah. six five, three thirty, yeah. three forty, yeah. sit down in the chair, right? Yeah. It's, it's go there, get back and basically make him run through you and he just doesn't have that ability to anchor yet with his feet. Yeah, it, to me I, I agree with you and it, I think it's it's really a pad level thing. It's it's knee and, and and hip flexibility to be able to sit down in that chair and I don't know if he necessarily is flexible enough to 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 have that technique like really to be able to actually do that you know yeah. it, it consistently I, I thought across the board that pad level is a little bit of an issue in this game uh, for the off the starting offensive line Trent Brown's always going to play up tall you know because he's he's six eight so he's always going to be a little bit taller yeah. uh, than the other guys but in general I thought I thought that that was a little bit of a concern it, it's 
I'm not as concerned now that I've seen Big Mike in a, it, out there at practice. And it's a big, P-U-P. it's a big help. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely eases a lot of uh, of stress about it, but it still remains a question mark. All right, I, there's no chance he plays tomorrow, right? I no, he hasn't. He barely okay. Had, I didn't had think in practice, so. but. I, I do think that we, we will see him week one. I think he's going to be ready to go because they have two full weeks of practice after this, remember, right, yeah. to get him ready. Uh, all right. Uh, last uh, thing I did not like, and then uh, we'll take some of the calls and, and move on to the roster stuff. Last thing I did not like was just in general, the overall compete and just execution by the defensive front seven in this game was bad. It was, wasn't good. It was just bad. Uh, I really uh, appreciated Devon Godshaw yesterday. I asked him a few questions about it. I said, what did you see on the on the Packers film? And he said, a whole lot of getting better to do. So, cool. All right, good. So he was honest it. about it. So I feel comfortable telling them that they were bad because <laughs> I think they recognize it just as much as all of us did. I, I think the biggest things were, uh, one, uh, Godshaw – I think Bentley is such a big piece of it for Godshow and Godshow is a big, big piece of it for Bentley, right? Like I think yeah. those two guys are, are really in lockstep and how they defend the run. Uh, but I thought in general, the ability to get off blocks and defeat blocks one-on-one in this game was bad. And then the linebacker level was a mess. Mac Wilson was not good. Uh, Jelani Tavai, I know he's dealing with a lot of things off the field with Hawaii and things like that, yeah. but he also not his, his best game either. Uh, but, uh, Mac Wilson is he is he going to make this team as we kind of go oh, to our roster side of things? I, I I don't I don't know. Yeah, I I had him as is one of my um my last cuts. Uh, just on on the defensive line real quick. Yeah, I I, I yeah it would have helped if they had Juwan Bentley, but you saw Devon Godshaw just getting moved. Yeah. in the run game. Well, you saw Carl Davis gets, getting so, moved. So he's playing the nose, and he's getting those combo blocks, and normally Bentley's coming downhill, and he's occupying one of those one of those blockers, right, usually the guard. So that gets the guard off of Godshaw, and that allows Godshaw to now have a one-on-one. Okay. So that that's how it kind of fits together. I just, and I, look, if Mac Wilson's going to play that Mike spot, and he's not going to come downhill and, and, and press the guard off of Godshaw, then Godshaw's going to get pushed five yards off the line of scrimmage that's just what it's gonna look like but look i i mean i think they recognize that they they maybe need more run defense because they try they try to sign marquan mccall obviously that didn't work out but yeah that's gonna be my biggest thing to watch friday night and it's another good test of a a running good running team and the titans and derrick henry how do they look defending the run because they were they were a good run defending team last year it was an issue and they brought everybody back they were a good traditional run defense last year like a if you had a mobile quarterback, yeah, right? That no, was but still but bad. Um, but they were getting beat on traditional runs against yeah. the Packers. Is yeah. what I'm saying. So I want to see. I'm not sitting here saying it's time to raise the alarms about the run defense or anything in terms no. of the season. But put that to bed. You had bad tape last week. Put it to bed. I would also say that it wasn't just the run defense. Like the pass rush was really vanilla. They blitzed a couple times from the second. Yeah, level. that I think is more of a preseason thing, though. So, but they couldn't get a one. They didn't win one on one either. You know, Judon, Wise, Barmore. Even Uche, but Uche I didn't had a couple, but it wasn't it wasn't his normal performance either. But did you also see them like using moves? No, and so this is my which is why again I'm saying preseason. So this is my my next thing that I don't like. Yeah, about this, we can chalk it up to preseason, but as as we do in this industry, we we find things to be concerned about. We can chalk it up to being preseason, and I fully agree that the blitzes like everybody says, oh, they blitzed a lot in this game. 
they they had a lot of five-man rushes in this game. They added a linebacker from the second level to try to present some one-on-ones to their top guys, but they weren't running zero blitzes. They weren't running a, like amoebas. They weren't running any of their exotic stuff. It, this was really basic yeah. blitz. Like, we're going to blitz a linebacker up the middle, and a guard or a running back is going to take him, and that's going to create one-on-ones in other places. That was it. It wasn't really anything uh, too uh, too schematically heavy. Uh, they did basically no line games in this, which is very rare for them. You know, no stunts, no twists, no picks up front. That's very rare. They're, that's their defense. That's their right. that's their rush. So on the one hand, I think you can be concerned about the fact that are they going to get our guys going to win one on one against good offensive lines because the Packers do have a good offensive line, even though Bakhtiari wasn't out there. The rest of those guys are pretty good. The other concern I have about it is that the plan against the Eagles? No, I I don't think so because. The Eagles, you know, we've seen the mush rush before. And if you had to ask me, like, if you thought that this was actually them executing what they were being told to do, what would that, what would you describe it as? The mush rush is the only thing I can think of. Like that, and you you add on that fifth rusher because it covers all the gaps, right? So yeah. now you're not letting the quarterback out of the pocket. So I, I just, that's my concern. I hope that this is not a precursor to this wasn't a game film where they were like, let's just get ready. Let's get ready. I, to I for really don't think that's what this was. I, I hope not. I, I think because it the Eagles was, will score 45 on them if they play that way. Yeah. I think it was a preseason thing. I, 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 I think that's all it was. I think all they're, right. they're doing right. the prep on the, on the backfields here. Okay. So let's, uh, let's get even one more take from the game. Yes. I'm very excited for Jalen Mills this year. Yeah. He, he, yeah. he's back. I, when they signed him, I remember we, and Kyle Duggar hadn't taken off yet. He'd only been here for a year. When they signed him, I remember we were all like, oh, this is Patrick Chung's replacement. This guy's going to play in the box, and he, he's going to be able to do a lot of different things for you defensively. And then they put him at corner. And he's done both, but I always thought in Philly he was better as this kind of rover safety. Yep. And you see it. He has the size and the athleticism to cover tight ends. Great instincts. Great instincts. He's not afraid to to play physically in the run game, which you don't often you don't always see. I shouldn't say often. You don't always see from defensive backs. Um, he's just so much better when he's coming to the play rather than the play coming to him. And I it's another wrinkle, it's another layer for the defense. But he's you could say he's been their best defensive player through two preseason games. I, I really feel I that would way. Agree. I would agree. I think he's been really good. So I actually maybe I oversold the the defensive front seven concern. I'm not that concerned about the defensive front seven either. I'm not concerned long term, but it, they didn't play well. Yeah, this was a bad game. The one thing that I But think, I'm saying like go out Friday night and prove that it was one off. The one thing that I think is legitimate that might be something that we need to continue to monitor is the Devin McCourty situation. They, I like how Mills has played, but Mills has played that at a high level, more closer to the line of scrimmage. I would say uh, whether it's man coverage against the tight ends, uh, whether it's robber roles, like at the intermediate level, like he, you know, he's done a really nice job of that. The deep safety spot is still something that I don't think that they have a natural guy at right now. Uh, they played a lot of, of peppers and, and Phillips, yeah, in the split safety role, and I think that that actually did also kind of have a trickle down effect to the run defense because those are two of your better for the out of the safety group. Out of the safety group, I think that those are two of your better run defenders in that group. Peppers obviously because of his physicality, and I think Phillips is just a heady player in the box that that can make up for his size. I I didn't love what I saw out of the deep safety reps for those guys. Adrian Phillips on the touchdown to. Uh, to uh, Jaden Reed got completely put in a blender. He had, yeah, you know, really lost at the top of the defense there. 
I I don't know who's going to play that spot. They don't really have a natural flip and run guy to play that spot. And I think all of them are still trying to learn the reads and reading out route combinations and where should they help and where should they not and things like that. That That's that's still a work in progress uh, there on the back end. And I know that I don't think anybody really thought differently. I think some uh, quiet minority, but they're going to miss Devin McCourty a lot. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't think anybody's uh, misconstruing that. Uh, real quick, some breaking news, and i got to ask you if I'm missing something here. Yeah. The Giants, or the Cardinals traded Isaiah Simmons to the Giants. What do you think Isaiah Simmons is worth? Uh, he's been a bust. Yeah, but a seventh-round pick? He's been bad. Is he even that bad? Yeah, they did. They, first, they, they've moved him to like three different positions because well, he plays all those positions no 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 but like he's just been they don't have a home for him he's just been bad they've they've tried him at linebacker they've tried him at safety they tried him at like slot corner yeah he, it's he's been a bust i didn't think he's been, he'd been that bad yeah okay yeah all right uh let's get to some of these calls uh todd in north carolina if you're still there thanks for hanging on todd Hey, guys, I like what you're saying, and basically what you're saying seems to echo what I felt from the, you know, of course I'm a fan and I watch whatever I can. But, uh, yeah, I just, it, the only thing that, that got me really nervous about this team is the play of the two lines. And I know you talked a little bit about this already, Evan, because I asked this question, but I, I want to hear what the, uh, what, 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 is, what is the Catch-22 opinion, not the, you know, the DFW in progress opinion or whatever it is, the PU now. And, uh, yeah, that's a shot at Matt because he answered the phone wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> so I want to hear what you guys think of the line So on both sides. And just tell me what your feeling is with respect to how that play is going to be. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Great Todd. Show. Thanks for the call. And, and don't throw Marine under the bus like that. He he, he did just fine. In the old Patriots uh, catch-22. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, people still call it PFW in progress. Like, I, I was a kid when it was PFW in progress, so I, I don't – I, I don't even know that name. I don't even know what that is. It's it's unfiltered. Anyways, uh, I'm not concerned about the defensive line all that much. I know I just went on a rant about how they played terribly in this game, but they got veteran guys up there. I, I think, uh, honestly, I think a lot of those guys were like, this is a preseason game, and I'm not sure how much I really care <laughs> about any of this. I, I fully expect them to wake up, and they, they have too many good players on the defensive line to be overly concerned about it. I think all those guys are good players. Barmore, uh, Wise, Godshaw, uh, obviously once uh, once Keon White is out there at full go, I think he's going to be a good player as well. So I, I'm not really concerned about the, the defensive line. Offensively, uh, we've, we've been concerned about the offensive line for six months. Like this is like I, I this isn't a new take. Like we've been concerned about it since yeah. uh, the, I the mean, end the, of last season. The last three years, our number one need for them in the draft has been tackled. Right. So they're going to – the question with the offensive line, the bottom line to me is are they going to have to cover up one spot or multiple spots? Because if it, all they have to do is cover up right tackle, I think that they that can really be figured out. It's one spot. You slide protection that way, chip the tight end or the back, you know, quick game concepts to the other side. Like There's so many ways to fix one spot. If we get into the season and right tackle is an issue – let's say Cole Strange is hurt or isn't out there or doesn't make the year two leap and is riding the roller coaster like he did last year as a rookie. Like those are the, those are the times are, you know, Trent Brown is Trent, which, which version of Trent Brown are they getting? Those are the times where if you have multiple leaks, now we're in trouble. 
But if you have one leak, I, I think you'll be okay. And that's why I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic that it's going to be fine. I'm not saying it's going to be a difference-making offensive line. They're going to be this great San Francisco 49ers, Philadelphia Eagles level unit. But I think that they can get away with it if it's just right tackle. That's a little bit of a deficiency. Or guard, you know, so, whatever spot Reef, no offense, is playing. I think it's a glass half full, glass half empty thing. What you just said is true if they have all their starters. Yeah. This is the NFL. Guys get hurt. Right. And – when you criticize the offensive line right now, there are a lot of people that will say, oh, you know, it's just backups. They'll be fine. Yeah, but it, it is the backups. So they're not starting, but they're also not that far away from playing. And Okay, let me ask you this, though. If you – if so isn't in this equation and the backup that's playing is Moffy, because I think Moffy's been okay. Yeah. I think I feel better about that. I, you I, know how, I, and, I, yeah, yeah, okay. And no, we're, I would agree. We're both in agreement, too, that – we would much rather there be an issue at guard than tackle. Yes. So correct. if Moffy is just a replacement level guard as a rookie, I think that they can get away with that. Whereas so I think is a true liability. I'm, I'm more tackle. thinking what if something happens to Trent Brown? Yeah. They are in, cause who's the back is the back of left tackle Stuber. Is it reef? Connor is McDermott. it so is it Connor McDermott who hasn't been on the field in two weeks? Yeah. Um, You'd like to hope Calvin Anderson comes back, but if he's on NFI, they lose him for at least the first six weeks, and then he's right. got to ramp up. Right. I. And, and yeah, even even if they go down at guard, like all right, if they go down one player, that's Moffy. What happens if they go down two? Or what happens if uh, Mike Onwenu is at right tackle? Yeah. So then, all right. So Stranger still hurt. So that's Moffy at one spot. But then who's who's your other guard Reef. now? I guess would be Reef. Okay, that's fair. But still, it's. They're they're like it's it's a little bit it's of a, a, a Jenga tower. It's a house of cards. It's a little bit of a house of cards right 100%. now. Hundred percent. And I think that the biggest thing about the house of cards, like obviously, I guess the second biggest thing, the first biggest thing is everybody's got to be healthy. That that's number one. Yes. Number two. But like that's not, and I don't want this to come across as uh, me rooting for injuries because I'm absolutely not doing right. that. I'm just acknowledging the reality of the game. Yeah. Number They're not going to be fully healthy for 17 how, games. How big is Trent Brown for this entire team this year? Uh, top three most important player on the yeah, team? Yeah. Like, it's like, to me, it's it's Mac Jones is obviously your most important player. Yeah. And then I think Trent might be number two. I don't – might even be Trent over Mac. No. Well, I all right. Let me – Not let me the way it, Zappy's looked this Okay, summer. that's fair. Zappy's had a bad summer. But I was going to say, like, just – just yeah, because Zappy, Zappy's summer kind of kills this argument. Yeah. But, like – the gap between Trent and let's say Andrew Stuber, yeah, and the gap between Mac and Zappy, the gap between Trent and Stuber is much bigger. Yeah, I, I just I really feel like Trent is the tipping point for the entire offense. If Trent is 2018 Trent Brown, then they're going to be a really good offense. I I fully believe that. If Trent Brown is the guy that we saw last year, and I know he played all every game, he was fine last year. He was uh, fine, dude. He, he how many penalties he had last year? I, so he was only he wasn't that high up on the list of penalties. Yeah, he has to be I, among left tackles. Let me pull it. I know the this. fall starts alone put I, him in the top Isaiah 10. Wynn, even after he'd been out for three weeks, was still the most yeah, penalized yeah, player yeah, in football. Isaiah Wynn was bad. Uh, we know that, but I I just feel like they really they need a locked in Trent Brown. We all know that, but. That that cannot be overstated how important that guy is. No, Trent Brown is if he's not one, he's two. Most important yeah. player on the team. All right. Uh let's take uh Eddie from California. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up guys? Hope you guys are having a great day. Um 
Sparth, um, Lake Sparth Avenue, you on uh, unfiltered if you're still going on. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that's still playing. They haven't told me otherwise, so. <laughs> All right, um, I'm I'm on board with you about KB being able to be a 1,000 yard receiver. Let's I've go. always had high hopes for him. It just sucks, you know, how his past two seasons have been with us. But I hope this is his breakout year for us. Um. What more do the two rookies have to do, and who has to flop on the wide receiver core to get those two rookies more playing time in the regular season? Good question, Eddie. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, that's a good segue, too, because I wanted to get into the roster stuff that we wanted to talk about. So, By the way, Trent Brown was the uh, the fifth most penalized offensive I, lineman I last year, you, so my yeah. bad. Yeah, very high up. There. But he's behind Tyron Smith. He had eight false start penalties or something crazy Ta- like that. Uh, he had six offensive holdings, five false starts, a tripping, and an yeah. ineligible downfield. But the guys ahead of him, Tyron Smith. Trip- okay, but to be fair to him, the tripping call was just him being tall. Oh, that All was right? a bad I call. I remember. Yeah. Um, the guys are ahead of him. Tyron Smith's a pretty good player. Had ten holdings last year. Yeah. Uh, Landon Dickerson's a pretty good player. Yep. Donovan Smith had a down year. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ike McQuanu, who was a rookie. Yeah. McQuanu uh, might be a bust, too. He's had a rough camp in Carolina. Anyways, we're not the Carolina Panthers podcast. Also, when you go by penalties that were actually accepted, three, four, five, six, Brown is yeah, eighth. I Ninth. I, Ninth. Only, I only care about the ones That's that are fair. all of them. I care about all of them. I'm just trying to help my argument. All right. So, uh, wide receiver. You mentioned, you know, the young guys and uh, – how do they get playing time, things like that. I think that the it's becoming such a popular take for the Patriots to keep six wide receivers that now I am concerned that they're not really <laughs> not going to do it. But I have them with six wide receivers right now. I'm going to post my final roster projection this weekend after the, the game tomorrow night. The re- I have two reasons to have them with six. One, I, I, I just think that Douglas and Booty have shown enough to make the team. Yeah, And I think that – More than enough. Booty was really the the Douglas made the team two weeks into training camp. That it was obvious that he was he was an NFL player and he was worth keeping. Booty, I felt like really needed to uh, make it impossible for them to cut him. Right, like he yeah. had to come out and have just a, a incredible camp and preseason and make it impossible. I still don't necessarily think that he separates down the field all that much but as like a possession receiver that can catch and run with the football and in a lot of ways he's he's kind of similar to Kendrick Bourne right like I I think that those guys have similar games I think Juju has a little bit of a similar game to him as well so I have him with six wide receivers at the moment I do think that there's a world where they carry six initially and then Taekwon goes on injured reserve to make it technically five but it was six to begin with that's all the minutiae to the question of first of all, I'm assuming you have six. I on do have right yep, now. yep. So we're both with six. I feel like that's the right thing to do for them. The other reason why I like six, so not only just because I think Douglas and Booty have shown that they probably should keep six. The other reason, oh, you're getting talked about. Ah, uh, yes. You, I just got a got text a, that this was coming. You got a lower third and everything with your name. Sorry, this is totally. No one has any clue what we're talking about right now. Uh. Barth is being talked about for his. Oh, I think the hub is calling me right now. Oh well, too bad. Yeah, we're we're, we're monopolizing his time right now. Sorry. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) A little crossover. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, the other reason why I have them with six, as you ignore your phone over there because you're you're on you're on this show right now, not that show. Uh, The other reason is because you do have to start looking a little bit into the future and. The future right now at wide receiver is Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster are under contract. And 
then you also have Taekwon, which... Oh, come on! Oh, no. Barth doesn't want to be in the pit for the boss. Barth is too short. Height is not an issue for McCarthy. <laughs> I, I, it's technically true, but come on, man. Yeah. Mean. Hey, nothing wrong with being being short kings. That's also, objectively, that's a pretty good photo of you, too. Like, Is it? They, I hate they, that they, picture. Oh, no. They could have used a much worse picture than that. Come on. We, we, we both yeah. know that they could have used a worse picture than that. Uh, after this year, they have Kendrick Bourne is a free agent. Uh, so they have Devontae Parker, Juju, and Taekwon under contract besides the rookies. I think you got to think about it from a, a, a long-term point of view as well, a 2024 point of view and beyond. If Kendrick Bourne ends up pricing himself out of New England, if Juju ends up not being very good, which we haven't really seen a ton out of Juju, I think those things add up to – keeping those guys around are you focused on this right now or are you uh, lost in the in your 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 appearance on that no evening? sorry I, I, I he's saying that i have a lack of height and a bad back half, half of that is true i the lack of height is definitely true i didn't know about the back part i don't know where that's coming from <laughs> i don't know i think they're just making fun of you yeah probably great <laughs> <laughs> it's good air time for you though yeah uh so oh, sorry, what were we talking about? So, so beyond beyond this year, they don't have a ton of confirmed assets at wide receiver, which I think is, makes it worth it to keep Booty and Douglas yeah. around, even just as a developmental. Th- this is not a team that can afford to quit on wide receiver talent. Yeah, plain and simple, like they can't. Yeah, they they can't do it. So even if you think, all right, Booty's a year away, you're going to need him next year, and right. if they let him go and he goes somewhere else and he's producing, it, it, they just can't afford that. Yeah. So. They have to keep six. Now, if Thornton's really hurt, you keep six, you I, and then you IR Thornton right away, right? Yeah. And then that's how you get the third tight end or another linebacker corner or whatever. First of all, before we move on, because this is very distracting, Yes, you and McCarthy are deciding to go to bowl shows. I thought that you like had a reason to go to bowl shows. Because I want to go. To bowl shows. Yeah. Isn't what it else the, am I doing? Isn't it the same show? No, he does different set lists every night. Okay. All right, I guess I can... I mean, he'll do, like, the, there'll be some songs I mean, that are the he, same. He's going to play Born to Run at both shows. He'll play Born to Run at both like, shows. Yeah, but it's, it's I'd, like say about, gonna... I'd say about half the set list changes, about half the songs change. But he doesn't play Born in the USA, right? You, that's what you told me. Rarely. Yeah. Rarely in the U.S. He'll play it internationally. All right. All right. Uh, Barth might get some deep cuts tonight. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Okay, finally they're moving on from talking about him so he can focus on the show that he's live on the air doing yes. right now. Sorry. Uh Second thing, uh, you know, that I wanted. So we're both at six receivers. Yeah. We both like the, them keeping Booty and Douglas. To answer Eddie's question, uh, I think we we both feel the same way about Pop Douglas's role and and how he can get on the field as a rookie. He's the the shiftiest, gadgetiest slot receiver that they have. He's got a little bit of that Edelman in him, but he's also got a little bit of speed. Like he has a projected role because the rest of their guys, Bourne, Parker. Juju are longer, you know, longer striders, bigger guys, physical guys, guys that win at the catch point. Douglas is a jitterbug. So you can see how his style is complementary to the other yeah. three that are going to play. He gives them something they don't have. Yes. Booty, I, I don't know if he does. So if you're keeping Booty as the fifth receiver or the sixth receiver, depending on how it all shakes out with Taekwon. I I think he's a stash. I I, I in an injury, a little bit in an injury I, guy, right. I mean course. he he's really good depth. I think in terms of a fourth receiver, fifth receiver, he he's a really good option. 
they, they've had him out there on kick return, so he'll maybe give you some some reps on special teams. He's a little bit of a stash, but what's wrong with that? Yeah. This is a team that has struggled to find receivers. I think that, that they can afford to, to stash a guy, that they should do that. They should take the chances they need to take to hit on a receiver because his upside is significant. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that you you keep him anyways. All right, running back. I want to talk a little bit about the running backs. I think there's – obviously there's two locks. Zeke and Ramondre are your two locks. Then you get into – I feel like as a – in the second year with a fourth-round pick with Pierre Strong, I, I think you keep those guys usually. They never cut fourth-round picks as rookies. Right. A fourth-round pick – Shout out Pat's cap. Yeah, fourth-round pick in the second year. I'm sure it's been ha- it's happened before. Uh, I think it happened with uh, one of the quarterbacks that they drafted in the fourth round, actually. Uh, but yeah, well, also I mean, Kevin like O'Connell or they've one done. Of those guys. I mean, beyond the fourth round, like Duke Dawson, I guess he wasn't yeah. cut; he was traded. But. Yeah, I, I think that they, I think Pierre Strong is going to be on this team. I think so too. So the question really boils. There's down also to, that element with him, like with Douglas, of he gives them something they don't have in terms yeah, of his speed his, at running back. Right. So then the question boils down to: Do they keep four at running back? And the fourth, that competition would obviously be uh, J.J. Taylor, Kevin Harris, Ty Montgomery. Yeah. Depending, I know they call Ty Montgomery a wide receiver and you, whatever. But you, you, that, do you think it's worth it to keep a fourth running back on the team? I, I lean towards them keeping a fourth running back simply because they, they pretty much always do. Yeah. Especially since that, that Cordero Patterson, Steven Jackson era where they had to like scrap for running backs at the end of the year. Uh, they pretty much always keep four. So I, I, I lean towards that direction. And if I had to pick right now today, I, I'd pick J.J. Taylor. I, I think J.J. Taylor has done enough. And I also think you just mentioned that Pierre Strong brings a different element. I think so does J.J. Taylor. And I, I think that he's improved significantly in the passing game and blitz pickup and ability to to stand up against blockers at five foot six. I, I've been impressed with him this summer, and I, I think that he's earned a spot. Yeah, I, I think. I want to see what he. I feel like it's still open. I want to see what he does Friday night. But he definitely Kevin Harris. You can get on the practice squad. It really to me all comes down to what do they think of Ty Montgomery? Do they trust Ty Montgomery? If they give him a roster spot, will he stay healthy? Will he be available? Because can they practice squad JJ Taylor again? Or are they going to have to use one of those veteran spots? No, no, they can. Uh, I think he's I know in, they he, can, but like so he's in year three. So four. no three, four. Is it four? Yeah, because he's the cam year. He's COVID year. 2020, 2021, 2022, this will be his fourth year. So this is his fourth year. So I just don't know. Is he... I always forget if it's four or more or if it's four plus, but the rule is four accrued seasons. Yeah. So once you hit four, you become a vested veteran. I think because he's heading into year four, I believe that he still has to go through waivers. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, 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 I wonder what will happen with him, but to me it all comes down to Ty Montgomery. Where are they at with him? Do they trust him to stay healthy? Because... He is the best, like, he's the best player of the group, and I don't yeah. think anybody would debate that, but are you going to keep him, risk losing J.J. Taylor, and then, you know, Ty Montgomery gets hurt in two weeks, and now what? Right, it's also tough because Ty Montgomery is not is not going to run the ball. Like, either you're not handing the ball I, off they, to Ty Montgomery. They used him like that last year. They, I mean, it was they brief, did, but they, they have, did. They haven't this in this summer. I well, know he hasn't, he hasn't been out hasn't there. Been out there. But, but, he, but they really haven't. He's been working out with the wide receivers. Like, he's been going through positional yeah. drills with the wide receivers. He's well, a, okay, he's so maybe does it become head. this? If they think he's a receiver, do does he essentially get bumped by Douglas and Booty? Montgomery? 
Yeah. I currently have Montgomery off the team. I've moffed too, but I hadn't considered it in that. Yeah. You're right, though. If if he's repping, they might see that as carrying a seventh receiver, not as carrying a fourth running back. Yeah. I think I could I could see that. Uh, where are we? I, with... That's also a spot where if somebody gets cut loose elsewhere, I could see them bringing somebody Yeah. In. Where are we with Kevin Harris? You can get him on the practice squad. Yeah. He'll play this year. I mean, he'll, he'll end up, whether it's an elevation, whether it's getting signed after guys get hurt, like, he'll be here, but... They got him on the practice squad last year. I don't think he showed anything last year. I don't think he showed anything in camp that, like, you're going to risk losing him. So I think he's just back on the practice he's squad. He's three and a half yards in a cloud of dust. That, yeah. That's Kevin Harris. I think he has some ability to to push the pile because he's a bigger back. But in terms of actually breaking tackles and his creativity with the ball in his hands is is very, very pedestrian. So I, I agree with you on that in the practice squad. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep vouching for J.J. Taylor. I am. If he, has, if he has another game Friday night like he had the other night, I'll put him on. Yeah, I, I think that he should have a real shot. Like, I feel like he deserves a real shot. I think he's improved his game significantly. And if he gets waived here, then I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a shot somewhere else. Just the big thing with him that I've seen that I want to see again this week is the pass pro. And, yeah. you know, when a guy's five six, what's that going to look like? To see, and he's making plays in pass pro. We already talked about the offensive line. We know what that situation is. If he wants to be here, he's going to have to pass block. So that, to me, is what makes or breaks it for him. He, he can catch the ball. He can make guys miss. We know that. Yeah. He's going to be able to show up and pass, bro. My, my throat is, you know, hour plus in. We're starting to get to, to the throat issues. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, so we did running backs, did receivers. I think we're, we're pretty much on the same page on both of those. I, we might be on different pages on tight end. I know your last projection had tight end just with two guys, right? It was uh, Henry and Gusecki are obvious. I've gone. This was one of the hardest decisions I have make on the roster projection. I've gone back and forth on tight end like seventeen times. On the one hand, I can see that it's a lot like last year, where they have two established veteran tight ends that they're paying a lot of money to that are going to eat up all of the the snaps yeah. in Henry and Gesicki. But on the other hand, uh, they neither one of those guys is really a good blocker, and both of those guys get hurt sometimes especially Gasicki is hurt. Yeah, right So now. carrying two tight ends, I understand the philosophy that Sokol, Ferkser, those guys are practice squad guys that could probably get through to the practice squad. Uh, but I think that there's something to be said for Sokol, who's made a case as an inline blocker, certainly the best inline blocker that they have in camp. And Ferkser's made a case uh, with his versatility. And yes, ran a great route yesterday on Jabril Peppers. Not that I'm going to like put him on the roster because of one route in practice, but he's got that versatility to line up in different spots. He can run routes. Uh, he's he's a little bit of a nimble guy. And then there's Sokol, who's just your typical blocking tight end, blocking specialist that can play on first down and short yardage. Uh, where are you at, at tight end? I I, I I like I said, I I go back and forth on this. I still think they keep two because, again, you can get Sokol and Ferkser on the practice squad and elevate them as you need. Now, if they do find a roster spot, so elevate as you need, they're different players, so you're going to elevate based on the matchup. And yeah. week one, I would think, would be the better blocking tight end, Matt Sokol. Yeah. If they find an extra roster spot, maybe it's something where Sokol's on the roster for week one and then gets cut and moved back to the practice squad and, and they bring somebody else in for week two. But I don't think there's going to be like a third consistent tight guys might pop on the roster here and there but I don't think there's going to be a third tight end on the roster consistently this season they'll just bring guys up from the practice squad sign them I need them. I hear you I, I I'm right now I'm leaning towards putting Ferkser on I, I think he's done enough 
to warrant it. And I, I think that it at least has in your back pocket the option to play him at fullback. Like, it's at least in your back do, pocket. Do they want that option, though? Do they care? I think in certain situations they might. On the goal line? Goal line, short you yardage. Just use, but they've done this before. Use a guard or use I know, the Landon they, Roberts. I don't, I, don't, or, I don't like that. I don't mind it. Give me a real fullback. You are campaigning for a real fullback. I love fullbacks. And I'm the one who's going to sit here and say, you can just find a big body to block for a couple plays I a game. Like, I don't know that you need to use I, a roster spot on that I guy. I think, and I will always stand by this, and I get that there's ways to do it without a fullback, but I feel that there's real schematic advantages to having a fullback. Real schematic advantages. In in the context of their offense? They're going to still run under center, I would say, probably 30% of the time. So, yeah, I, I, I think there's a real – the real schematic advantage, of course, to having a fullback is is that when he lines up in the backfield, he can go either direction. He can go left or right. right. So you can add a block to either either direction of the formation, whereas when you have a, two tight ends, they have to line up somewhere on the line, and they're there, right? Like they're not – you can motion them across and things like that, but it's easier to do it from the backfield. I, I, I just – I feel like that's – was a missing ingredient for them last year in short yardage and a big reason why they weren't as good of a short yardage team. I just don't see how it fits in the context of their current offense. I think it's going to become a massive tell when you put the fullback out there. Yeah, probably. I mean, it was a massive tell with McDaniels, but still worked. Fair, uh, fair. Still worked. All right, so... Well, you can also, in the games you want that, you just elevate him from the practice squad. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for the fullback. Uh-huh. I like it. I think good, you know, McDaniels, uh, Shanahan, like guys that are no a million times more about offense than I do are our proponents to the fullback. So that's good enough for me. Uh, offensive line, I, I, this one. So last year they only kept eight offensive linemen initially. I feel like that's a little thin for this team just because of all the uncertainty along the offensive line. I think you do want to keep your depth, but you're going to keep the five guys we've been talking about. Trent Brown, Cole Strange, Andrews, Onwenu Reef. Those guys are all going to yeah. be on the team. I think the three rookies are going to be on the team. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so, keep doing that. So, Moffy, Jake Andrews. So, the question is, that's eight, and uh, they kept eight last year. Does Connor Is Connor McDermott worthy of a ninth guy spot? I, I My guy, Jason Hines, is he worth the, the ninth spot? Like, so do I, they keep nine guys? They're handcuffed into keeping eight. I, I almost feel like they have to keep a third tackle because, all right, Trent Brown's one. Right. So is two, but he's a project. Yeah. Maybe Riley Reef is three, but if he's at guard, he's at guard. Yeah. So that's either McDermott or if Calvin Anderson gets activated, Calvin Anderson. But I do feel like they kind of have to keep another another tackle. Yeah, I have it at nine right now, and I have it with Connor McDermott. I just sim- same simply because I don't know if Calvin uh, Anderson's going to be here. So I, 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 you know, when I say be here, I mean healthy and and be available. So I have it with nine with McDermott. Moving over to the defensive side of the football here. Not a whole lot of questions, I don't think. I think there's some guys on the defensive line, like is Sam Roberts going to make this team? Is Carl Davis going to make the team? Or is he going to be somebody that gets cut and then brought back? They love Carl Davis. I think uh, credit to where credit is due, your your boy, one of your boys, Jeremiah Farms, ha- has had a really good yeah. uh, two film, uh, you know, two pre- preseason games uh, of run defense. Uh, he's been really good. I don't think it's enough to make the team. I think he's a practice squad guy that if they had to play him in a game because of injuries, he would be a good depth. Uh, but he's made a little bit of a push. But for the most part, that group is pretty solidified because you have all the the veteran locks. I think the only one that could be 
the surprise cut of the of the year is Lawrence Guy or maybe a trade. But I, I still think that they keep on uh, – they hold on to Lawrence Guy. I, I think they're going to hold on to him too, yeah, yeah. The leadership and all that. I think he'll yeah. be here. I, I wonder, like, Carl Davis, could they get him on the practice squad and bring him back when they need him? He's kind of yeah. had, you know, a rough couple games here. So I also – that's another spot where I think they could go external. We already saw them try, right? Yeah. We saw them try to, to sign Marquand McCall before he failed the physical. So I, I, I do think that defensive tackle is a spot that's still sort of up in the air. The other spot that I I've, I think – just in general because they have so many bodies in the defensive backfield at safety and at, at, at corner. Guys like Sean Wade, uh, Joshua Bledsoe, like these are the guys that are kind of on the bubble right now. Uh, at corner, then obviously the two rookie corners. Uh, I, I, we don't know what's going on with Isaiah Bolden. I, my guess is that he's going to redshirt the year would, would yeah. be my assumption, but that's just a guess. Uh, Amir Speed, I don't know if he's done enough uh, to make the they make the team. I know that Patriots fans uh, are – I know a lot of Patriots fans are, are sick of Miles Bryant. I get it. Miles Bryant's making this team. Miles Bryant's absolutely making the team. Yeah, and honestly, I think Miles Bryant's been really good. He's had a very good summer. Yeah, so uh, I think that playing him less at, like, true slot corner where he's asked to cover receivers is going to help him. Uh, he, he's been really, really good all summer long, and uh, I, I think that he's going to be uh, – He's going to 110% on Like, I would almost put him in the lock category at this point of, of being on the team. But where do you have some of those fringe DBs, like a Speed, like a Bolden, like a Wade, uh, Joshua Bledsoe? I think those are some other guys that are yeah. kind of on the bubble. I have Bledsoe on. That's another guy I think they just really like, and he's played a ton with yeah. the starters. So I think they have planned for him to make the team. Those other defensive back, unless something happens where, you know, Jonathan Jones has to open the season on IR, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. I, I have it just as the five corners, just Gonzalez, John Jones, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, um, and, and Miles Bryant. Yeah. I think that's the list. I, I don't know that Amir Speed's shown me quite that much. Like Again, that's another guy you can get on the practice squad and elevate. I know people are going to say you're talking about elevating 10 practice yeah. squad players for each game. You can only do two. You pick it based on the matchups. Maybe he gets signed later on, but him, Sean well, Wade. Bill called him a developmental player yesterday, yeah, so that doesn't really him well. Him and Sean Wade, I think, are just kind of like just, just on the uh, – on the outside looking in. Yeah, I, I think Sean Wade's had a sneaky good summer. I know he got beat on the touchdown last week against Green Bay, but I think he's been pretty good this summer because they've been playing him in his real position. But, but the problem is, like, yeah, which is the slot. They have enough slot corners. They need a boundary guy. So the only reason why I think he's got a legitimate chance to make the team is because all their slot corners are tiny, and he's he's six foot one. So yeah. there's one – they would have one slot corner that, that could actually play – man-to-man coverage against a slot receiver who's not five foot nine which there's there's something to be said for that especially against certain teams that might have some bigger slot guys that they go up against you might want that there i i just think that he's played well enough to maybe make the team i wouldn't be surprised if if a team is paying attention and has watched the film in the preseason if he's somebody that gets claimed off waivers uh if he if he does get cut so yeah uh we'll see what happens with sean wade uh, I'll I'll give you a couple minutes on your kickers uh, as well because this is getting a little bit interesting. Yeah. Like it seemed like it was over. We were almost ready to call it. Uh, the fat lady was warming up, and now all of a sudden, Beringer had a great game in Green Bay. Right, he has the two the two ridiculous kicks in Green Bay, but he's been a little bit inconsistent in practice. And now Chad Ryland seems like he's dealing with something or 
has the yips, and they've really given Nick Folk every single chance to stay, to keep his job. They have. And they might keep both. I still am not ruling out them uh, keeping both. God, here we you go. You can't you can't rule out them keeping both, Evan. I wouldn't put it past them. We just talked for about twenty five minutes after you were done with your Springsteen thing. All right, whatever. Yeah, for twenty five minutes about six receivers, four running backs, yeah. like nine offensive linemen. Where's the spot for a second kicker? I don't know, but I think they're going to try to find one. Oh, my gosh. If not, they should trade Nick Folk. Because have you seen what's going on like around the yeah. league? There's not enough kickers. And teams yeah. are desperate for a kicker. And they should try. I think they could get something for Nick Folk. Right. But I do, too. It's still a full That's rotation. That is. If, if, if Ryland wasn't a fourth-round pick, I'd say it's still an open competition. Yeah. But they're not cutting Chad Ryland. Right. So then why are they giving Nick Folk so many chances if they know Chad Ryland's going to be here? I think and it's pr- to, to try to earn a roster spot. In practice, I, it has to be to try to earn a roster spot because not nobody's watching practice. Right. But in the games, it could be to to, to audition. Okay, but they're do teams. but they're doing it in practice. Yeah. So why why else is that happening? If they know Chad Brown's going to be here, and honestly, I, I, he has stuff he has to work through. Yeah. I would have loved to see him kick the day after going zero for three yeah. and see where he's at. But it was Nick Folk's day. Why are they letting Nick Folk kick in practice if I if Chad Brown's going to be here? I t- I said off the top of this when I teed this up. I I think that it's a, still a legitimate competition at kicker. I also think that there's a whole lot of respect from Bill Belichick's side of things for Nick Folk. I, I he's talked at length about Nick Folk's knowledge of the game and knowledge of the kicking game and uh, how to handle different weather, Can, like all the stuff that Nick they, he's gushed about Nick Folk over the last couple years. So I think out of respect to, to for that, I I think that there's we're going to give you a shot. Like, yeah, we drafted this kid in the fourth round. I mentioned earlier in the show they never cut fourth round picks. Right. I like all that. They stuff. literally have never cut a healthy fourth round pick under Bill Belichick. Yeah, that so all that is is true and out there. But uh, I think that they they want to give Nick Folk every chance that he can have at, at potentially winning the job still or keeping but, his but job. winning the job or or just just earning. So it goes to that at large roster spot thing. Yeah. So for people, One ever, your, you're going to have two kickers on this team. I Two. wouldn't. I wouldn't. But they might. Oh, no, you would. You would I wouldn't. love it. I wouldn't. You would. I wouldn't. I don't think it makes sense over there. You would no, because I know how much <laughs> it's getting under your skin. I wouldn't do it. So if they, they, let's let's play this out. Okay. So you're telling me that they're gonna that they might keep two kickers. Fine. Fine. So, in in your theory of them potentially keeping two kickers. Is it college style where you have your long distance kicker and your short distance yeah, kicker? And, and then Ryland does kick us. Or are they going to scratch Ryland every single week and just roll with Volk? I mean, they could do what they did in 21 where they kept Nordine. He was inactive week yeah. one. They elevated, or I guess Folk would be on the roster, but they could yeah. do what they did in week one, which what they did in 21, which is keep both and then IR one, right. which would probably be Ryland. I don't think you're keeping Folk to IR him. No. But. It could also be because the whole thing last year, Folk fell off at the end of the year. And it was, is this his age? He's 38. Or was it now he has to handle kickoffs and it's just a lot of wear and tear on the leg? There may be an element of, well, all right, we have Chad Ryland here to kick off. So he's going to do that. Nick Folk's going to handle field goals and we'll see if that regression so, last year was real or not. So not only are you telling me that they're going to keep two kickers on the active, on the nine, uh, 53 men roster, excuse yeah. me. You think that they're going to have two kickers active on game day? Yeah. Oh my god. Honestly, goodness. if they do that and scratch them doing that and scratching one is almost worse to me. If they keep one in uh, IR, if they keep two initially in IR one whatever, but Yeah. 
I would almost, if you're going to keep two, then, then do it. If you're going to do it, do it right. It would kind of be my my take on that. Okay. And I think the idea would be, all right, we're going to see what Folk looks like without having to do kickoffs. And if he's still struggling and we know it's age regression, then we cut him, you know, however many weeks in. You figure out how long you're going to give They're him. They're going to be the University and, of New England Patriots. Right. It, and Chad Ryland, the New England Hawkeyes. And Chad Ryland yeah. comes in. Or, uh, or Folk's still good, then all right, you know, Folks, your guy from 40 in, 45 in, whatever it is. Chad Ryland's your guy from 50-plus in kickoffs. Jeez. All right. All right. That's what it would look like. Uh, we do have some uh, some players to watch in the Titans game, but I want to answer some of these emails as well. We do have a, a few of them. So uh, here's one about Mac. Uh, this is from Adam in California. Hey, guys, I know you guys were – Concerned about Max internal clock with pressure if the O line is terrible again this year would be uh, damaged goods with two years with bad O line play. Also, should you we just move on from guy with the play of the run game? So the first question here is just: uh, Are you concerned that the offensive line play could be so bad that it could it could David Carr Mac Jones? And for people that that are too young to get that reference, uh, David Carr the Texans had a terrible offensive line and it ruined David Card's career because he never recovered from the internal clock and yada, yada, yada. I uh, can you, do you think that that is in play for Mac or are you that concerned about it? Well, uh, first off, uh, uh, Josh Rosen, much, yeah. much more modern example. Yeah. But I think Josh Rosen also might've just sucked. No, I, I think that, do you remember watching him in Arizona? Yeah, like he threw from the pocket twice yeah. in like eight games. Yeah, whatever pocket there was. Um, yeah, I, I I am a little worried about it. I am, and it's it's it kind of goes back to last year. He was already sped up last year, and that's the thing. I think if he is going to get sped up this year, it's going to happen quicker because yeah. he already was. Uh, I think that there are some elements to scheme around it that they can do that will help. But the reality is, you go down ten points. You got to drop back and throw, okay, and 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 that's what you have to do. So I'd be, yeah, I, I am a little worried about. It. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but I don't think it's impossible either. I think it's a valid concern. Okay, uh, this one's from Craig. I I agree with you. I think it's a valid concern, and I, but I I, I have been cautiously optimistic about Max internal clock and the way he's handling pressure. So based I off I, of the I think he's game. fine right now. I'm not yeah. worried about him. I, I think the issues from last year he's put to the side, but yeah. those are never going to go away. And yeah. I just think he's more susceptible to being sped up now than the average quarterback because of it would be very easy for him to get back in the mindset he was in last year. Fair. All right. Uh, Craig and Charlotte asks, uh, who's been the most impressive rookie in training camp? Uh, mm. Who has come the furthest along? And then, of course, because we had to, yeah. uh, he asked me specifically if I'm ready to admit that I was wrong about Keon White. So, oh, well, I, I was going to say Keon White's probably been the most impressive. Yeah, uh, he's he's just been excellent. He's a grown man. He doesn't look like a rookie at all. Yeah. Very few good. rookie he moments. Was good from in him. practice yesterday, too. Yeah. So he stud stud like I'm I think I'm I might be higher. Gonzalez is he's had a rough couple of days. I might be higher on Keon White than Gonzalez at this point. So I think Gonzalez uh, is I think I, I keep saying this because I, I, I tr I'm trying my best to protect the hysteria of it when Gonzalez has a, a bad week one against AJ Brown and everybody freaks out, right? Because I, they're going to be some growing pains with Gonzalez. I'm, I'm just telling you all that right now. It's, it's more than I thought they were going to be. I'm not worried about him long term, but he's not quite as polished well, as I thought he was going to be. He's 21. 
That's he, part he, of it. He was an underclassman, right? He's an early declare as a junior. I don't, was he? Yeah. Okay. And he's raw. He's still a little bit raw. And in man coverage, when you say, Christian, you got this guy, he can go step for step with pretty much everybody that they've put him up against in, in camp this summer. Yeah. In zone, he's still a little bit raw. He's easily manipulated. His spacing in zone isn't always the best, or his, his ability to, you know, midpoint routes hasn't always been the best. I, there's going to be some growing pains with Christian Gonzalez. The most impressive rookie, I would agree, is Keon White. Am I ready to admit that I'm wrong? You know I'm stubborn. You know I don't yeah. like admitting that I'm wrong very often. I'm ready to admit that I was wrong about the the way that he I, he plays faster than I thought he so would. The other he has thing, a much better motor, and he plays faster. I'll, so I'll, 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 I'll I will that. give you the out here if you want. I remember we had this conversation like a day or two after the draft. I think we had it on the show. Yeah. You didn't like the Keon White pick in the moment because it, I remember you saying this to me. It wasn't so much about him. It was about his fit in their defensive scheme. Yeah. And then when they drafted Marte Mapu, yes. which happened 24 hours later, you felt me. better because it, it recontextualized what the defense was going to look like. Yeah, so I also think that's a fair out. I will yeah. give you that out. So I also think that with Keon, I, I really truly believed, and I'm still not 100% sold that he can play standing up, but I looked at a 6'6", 280-pound yeah. guy and said, you're going to play him at stand-up outside linebacker and said – there is no freaking way. And, I never thought they were going to do that. And the reason why I feel like I've been swayed is because he guy's a freak athlete. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I realized how, quite how athletic he was. He did not play or look this athletic at Georgia Tech. Like, he didn't look this yeah, fluid. He did sometimes. He had that one play where he carried okay. the wheel route that everybody got Let me ask you this. With. Did you watch – you didn't, but I'm going to ask you anyway to out you. Did yeah. you watch any of him playing tight end at Old Dominion? No. If you had watched him playing tight end at Old Dominion, you would have known. Why would – okay. So why this, would you watch that? Because then you see what kind of athlete yeah, well, he is. Macro probably watched that, and that's why he's here. So, Ex so uh, lesson learned to, for next year. Kudos to Macro. I, we are going to do a quick thing at the end of the show that you don't want to do that we're going to do anyway, and I'm going to give you an example of why you should do that. I, you know, that that's why they, they pay Macro, and that's why they, they pay Cam Williams right, the but, big bucks. But this is the thing about covering the draft. I feel like every year I walk away, and there's a couple things I'm like, I should have considered that. I would have figured yeah. this out had I known that, and you yeah. learn, and it, you grow. So now you know next year when we get to some of these position change guys – you don't have to – I'm not saying go back and watch all two seasons of him oh, playing no, tight end. you wanted end. me to watch every target, every yeah. snap of tight end. Just watch like five, ten reps just to see how he moves in the open yeah. field. He's Would have helped. He, at 280 pounds, 285 pounds, uh, his, uh, Keon White's athleticism is – is out of this world. It is crazy. Yeah. Like, he's an alien. Unicorn. I, Unicorn I athlete. honestly don't understand how he moves that well at, at that size. So because I he learned to move that well at like 255, 260 right. as a tight end. And, and then, never lost it. And then put the weight but on. But I, I still don't know if I if I truly love him as a as a 3-4 outside linebacker. I still think he's a little bit big for that. And it might not show up in a straight line, but I think if he gets you know isolated in space with running backs and things like that, it could. Uh, but I will admit that I, I think he's going to be a, 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 a regular contributor as a rookie, and should. I was too low on him. Yeah, he I'll absolutely should. I, I would agree with that. All Especially right. like – to go back to the roster projection yeah. stuff, Anthony Jennings kind of being on the bubble. Yeah. You're going to need that. If, if he doesn't make the team, That that's your strong side, early down edge setter. Yeah. He's a good player. Do you think he's a three down player? Right now? I like, I think he them. can be. I don't. I doubt it because with them, I they tend to not want to put that much on a rookie's plate. Okay. So Would, I, like, if he had to be, do you think he could be right now? Uh, Yeah. 
Okay. I think he's better against the run still. Well, yeah, he's going to be better at one than the other. I think but... the, the one thing that I think he's still working on is is really having a plan with the pass rush and, and not not just being a bull in the china shop, right. but actually having a a actual plan and then like breaking down. Which and, makes and sense getting the for a guy who's only played like, defensive you know, end for two years. He had great pressure against the Texans, but then yeah. C.J. Stroud got out. You know, he just kind of got just, pushed. He overran in. him. He overran yeah. him. He overpursued. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, Donovan here asks it about the three quarterback rule. A couple questions here. Can you and Alex speak to the new quarterback rules? Uh, Cunningham considered a lock to be carried on that spot or a league rule is going to cause them to drop another player on the 53 to keep him. So he has to be on the 53 man roster to be the emergency quarterback. Yes. So he has to make the team. Yes. So it's not a, it's not a 54th roster spot. Right. It's, it's a, a 47th. It's a 47th game day roster yeah. spot. I am not I am inclined to believe that they are not really thinking too much about the three quarterback emergency rule at the moment. Obviously we've discussed ways that they could manipulate so it to I, get to use Cunningham, but hand I hand up. Yeah. I've come off that take. Yeah. Because the thing I've described, if they do it, will be outlawed by October. And I just think yeah. you can't go into the season with that as your plan. I currently have Malik Cunningham off the team. Really? I do. I have him on because I think they're showing you that they want him on. I By agree. The fact that – so he's playing quarterback. He's playing receiver. He's cut, he He's playing gunner. He, he's, he's, he's returning r- kicks. He's running routes at receiver. So I wouldn't say he's playing But what receiver. I would say, I, I think it's the thing. They like him as a project. Yeah. And they maybe know they can't get him to the practice squad because I think there are some teams that might bring him in as a third quarterback. If you try to give him the practice squad, there might be some teams that put him on the 53 as a developmental quarterback. So it's all right. We got to keep him. How do we justify this roster spot knowing he's not ready as a receiver yet? Well, maybe there's some package stuff at quarterback. Maybe it's playing special teams. Yeah. When they put a guy everywhere like they're doing with him, to me that signals, all right, we're trying to figure out how much, like we're giving you every chance possible to earn this roster spot. And they seem very happy with him. So I, they they seem to be signaling to me that they want to keep him. Okay, I don't know. I it's it it sucks that the game ended early Saturday because like I, I it would have been nice to see a little more from a quarterback. Yeah, because I think that's really how he earns the roster spot. So I hope he plays Friday I just, night. I if they were, I think he could have made. The, this is where I I feel bad a little bit from Lee Cunningham. Yeah. I think he could have made the team as a quarterback. I think he could have made the team as a quarterback. I actually think in this case, the receiver thing hurt him. I don't think so. I think it did because I he's not going to play receiver in the NFL at all. No. You don't think he can get to that point? No, no. I I haven't seen nearly enough to say that definitively yet. Maybe in like two years, two. but but in, right. But in terms of how long did they carry Julian Edelman as a punt returner and a cornerback before he started right, playing but he wide was receiver full time? He was a full-time returner. And they're giving Malik Cunningham looks at return. This is what I'm saying. They're trying to give him ways to justify his roster spot in addition to playing receiver. That's why I think they're going to keep him because they are doing things to justify him keeping that spot on top of being a receiver so they can keep him in the building and develop him long-term. I understand what you're saying. I would have – I just – I still – I said this when they signed him as a UDFA. Like, he's got good quarterback instincts. He's got – Good athleticism, and he'll we do know some that. of that too. We, he's got an arm. I would have just dedicated. I would have made him a quarterback. Evan, if their long-term it's, plan so, for him was to play quarterback, he'd be wearing a red jersey at practice. 
I don't agree with their long-term plan for him. Okay, fair. But 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 <laughs> but, but we're not doing it, we're not saying if Evan Lazar was in the room, who's he putting on the roster? It's who do we think they're going to put on the roster? Yeah, well, this is the whole semantics thing yeah. that we get into. I But you asked me if I think he's going to make the roster, here, not would I put my, him on? Here's my last point on Malik Cunningham. Why why do, why give the, all those quarterback reps to Trace McSorley? Like why do what, that? what are all those he hasn't played in like 3 weeks? No, he he but all the reps early in camp. And oh, I I don't know that to me like why because because they wanted why Cunning- not peek at Cunningham there at quarterback because instead. they wanted Cunningham to work as a receiver because that's where they want to develop him that's why whether uh, you agree with it or not like that's it. the answer to the I question I think that there was enough evidence on his Louisville film that he would, could develop at quarterback and I think that he showed enough in the drive against Houston that he could develop at quarterback so and I, and, and he did that and then he started playing quarterback more so maybe that was eye opening for them. Uh, all right. Well, let's – speaking of quarterbacks, I did want to touch on this just briefly because um, they were they were talking about it on your show there. And uh, Trey Lance. Trey Lance is the third quarterback. He lost the backup job to Sam Darnold. Obviously lost the starting job to Brock Purdy. Uh, I was a Trey Lance guy. I'll, I'll hand up. I like Trey Lance in the draft. I saw the tools that the Niners also saw and traded up like 17 picks to, to take. Trey Lance, by the way, I I have two takes on Trey Lance. One, I don't really want a, the Patriots making a trade for Trey Lance. I think if you make that trade for Trey Lance, it's next off season with a full spring and a full summer. Basically, that trade is for twenty twenty four. If you make it now, that that you're not you're not trying to get Trey Lance ramped up to practice and play in any games this year. That's not going to happen. Right, you're not going to take him into the scheme. It's, you know, it, it's, You'd have to redesign the entire offense. The, the train is is already rolling. It's We're not it, it would that. be more. I agree with you. If if they are really worried about Mac Jones, yeah, and they want to hedge their bets, it's another long term option at quarterback. That's essentially what it'd be. It would be all right. You know, we're not sure if Mac is the yeah. guy. The other thing is, I don't think Trey Lance is getting a trader right away. I, I I there might be some time where you can get into the season and and get a better look. Look, I, I've said this before. If Mac's not the guy, and, and I, I liked Trey Lance coming out, I liked him as a project player. Yeah, it's kind of we're kind of into the project now, and I, I know I'm in the minority on this. Kyle Shanahan, sneaky bad with quarterbacks. His so, offense is good for quarterbacks. So this was this was my other take on Trey Lance. Yeah, I have never seen a team invest as much draft capital as the 49ers have drafted uh, invested in Trey Lance. Draft the kid third overall, yeah, and then bury him on the depth chart. Which what are they seeing that they did that? That should that, be a sign that it's not going. That's well. a fair point, but my my take on it is because I was a I was yeah. a, I was a Lancer. You were a big Trey Lance guy. Yeah. I, I was a Lance. I think believer. you had him over Fields, right? Uh no, 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 okay. not that big. No, you did at one point. No, 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 no. I had Justin Fields number two the whole time, as, as you should have. Yeah, uh, the Trey Lance. I think was done dirty by the 49ers. A little bit. Yeah, he was. Well, if you, first of all, they never needed to do that. Okay, but the point being that we all knew that he was a, pro- a projection. Yeah. We all knew it was a project. He hadn't started in any real game since 2019 when he was drafted in 2021. They had the COVID year. He had one game. It was terrible, right? And then in 2019, he was awesome. They, run the, right. they won the FCS National Championship, and he was great. 2020, COVID year, uh, North Dakota State, right? North Dakota State only played one game. It wasn't good game for Lance. And then in 2021, he gets drafted. 
he has not played meaningful football in like five years. They haven't re- they have he's always been competing for the starting job. Like Bryce Young gets drafted number one overall. Anthony Richardson this year gets drafted fourth overall. It wasn't even a conversation. Like Bryce Young was the starting quarterback in Carolina a week right. into camp. And now Anthony Richardson's been named the starter two weeks ago, right? So it wasn't even a conversation. And we're at the point now where I just feel like he's done dirty by the 49ers. I don't think he was ever given the opportunity to really get a a fair shake at it. And he was the type of player that needed to play. Yeah. You couldn't like, I get the, the, the gap year, like the Patrick Mahomes strategy with, with Jimmy Garoppolo in, in 2021, but just in general, with Alex Smith, well, I'm talking about the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, but yeah, like, oh, yeah it's, yeah, the, okay, it's yeah. the Patrick Mahomes it's model. Same thing. Right. But I but you he needed to play in games. He needed practice reps. He needed he should have gotten every single practice rep that they possibly could have given him until a, two weeks before the season where they really needed to start to get Jimmy ready, right? So yeah. It, I feel like he was done dirty, and I feel like his developmental track went completely helter-skelter because of how the 49ers the, handled it. The problem is, and, and to bring it back to the point of should the Patriots trade for him, yeah. is he too far gone? And I think there's a real case to be made that he's too know far gone. if he's too far gone because he hasn't had the opportunity. I know he got hurt, right? You know, and I know but it's that, that, was that kind a big of thing where, like, you still have to start from square one with a guy that's 23 already. Yeah. So I just I look I if, if they can trade like a conditional seventh form whatever you might as well see yeah. if you can tap into the potential but I've said this if Mac Jones don't screw around with Mac Jones this year first of all yeah you need to give Mac Jones the real chances here and bringing in Trey Lance oh, is no, not no, doing no. that Trey Lance but even if they traded for Trey Lance it'd have nothing to do with this year yeah uh, uh, but it, it, uh, he, you don't think Mac's gonna get asked about that and oh, Bill's uh, gonna start sure, getting asked sure, about sure. just but don't just don't open that Pandora's he's, box he's a project for for uh, that. Maybe in 2024, he would have a, a, so a chance I, with Mac bombs. I wouldn't bombs. touch Trey Lance until December. Let's put it that way. I don't think he gets traded. I, listen. I think he gets traded next offseason. Okay, so I would do that for minimum. But I've said this, and I'm going to stick with this. Unless yeah. there's a scenario where a Brady or a Rodgers guy comes, like one of the generational, and I don't who would be next? All those guys have now left their teams and retired, right? Or I guess, you know, Rodgers hasn't retired. But what, what do you mean? Like, like if we had this whole run of Brady out, yeah. Russell Wilson yeah. out, yeah. Rodgers out, Rivers yeah. out. Are there any of those guys left? Uh, like, who's the next big quarterback we're looking at? Russell Wilson. No, out. <laughs> no, nothing. Want nothing to do with him. Um, no, I'm just saying. Like, you know, he's you know. But like, I, I'm I trying think to Russell think. Wilson's like, unless somewhere, that. some reason, some way, an elite yeah. quarterback. I guess maybe Lamar. But that no, he signed the extension. Right. Unless one of you get one of these things where one of those elite quarterbacks becomes available again. If Mac is not the guy, go to the draft. It's yeah. going to be a really good year for quarterbacks. They're, they're going to have a shot to yeah. get a guy. There's a bunch of different kinds of quarterbacks. So they're, if they want another pocket passer, if they want a mobile guy, if they want this, if they yeah. want that, go to – you can't – I'd bring in Trey Lance to see what he has left. Yeah. I would not bring in Trey Lance to be like, all right, well, Mac Jones didn't work, so you know we think we should have picked Lance. We're going to bring him, and he's going to be the starter. No, you need a real concrete. If Mac Jones isn't the guy, you need a real concrete plan to replace him. Trey Lance is not a real concrete plan. He's a fun that's flyer, fair. but that's all he is. That's fair. All right, one last call, then we'll get into the players to watch for the Titans game. It's uh, Mark in Connecticut. What's up, Mark? 
Hey, Mark. It's your buddy Mark over here in Connecticut. Just had a quick question for you. Um, what is the story with Trey Flowers? Um, is he going to play, or is he uh, – when you're on pup list, do you, are you allowed to practice, or how, how does that all work on the pup list? I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. I'm gonna uh, ask you. Thanks for the call, Mark. Uh, so he's not allowed to practice on the pup list. If he starts the year on the pup list, he's out for the first six weeks of the season, mandatory, out for the first six weeks. We've seen him bopping around practice, which is pretty common for guys that are injured on, you know, we've seen Calvin Anderson. We saw yeah. Wenu before he got out there yesterday. Uh, we've seen John Jones at, at times, Cole Strange. So it, it's pretty common for guys to be bopping around practice and uh, either watching or, you know, whatever. Uh, so we, we've seen Trey Flowers. Uh, he's been working out uh, at, at practice uh, off to the side. But I, I think – if you had to ask me like what my official stance on Trey Flowers is in terms of his role on the team this year, I think he starts the year on pup. If they get to week seven and they have a concern about yeah. his spot in the defense, whether it's as an end or uh, you know, what you know, obviously be as an end, but you know, whatever way they see using him moving forward, pass rush guy, whatever, uh, then I, I, I could see them activating him and saying you know, we, we've seen enough from, from some of these other guys and it hasn't really been as good as we were expecting or hoping. So let's, let's give Trey flowers a chance, essentially stash him on PUP. And if you yeah. don't, if you never use him, you never use him. But if you, if you have to, or you need to, or you can, uh, then he becomes activated in, in midway through the season. I kind of look at it at, at, look at him as in the role Jamie Collins was in last year and he was here yeah. most of the season. He was on the practice squad. He played yeah. in like two or three games, but it was more you, you heard some of the younger linebackers or even a guy like Juwan Bentley talk about how valuable his presence was as a leader, as a as a resource, as as a teacher. And I think Trey Flowers can give you some of that, especially for a guy like Keon White, yeah. who I mean, coming out, that was my comp for Keon White coming out. It was like yeah. he's a bigger he, Trey Flowers. More athletic Trey Flowers. Uh, Trey Flowers was pretty at like when he first came out. Yeah, that's true. Well, I, don't know I mean, he, we knew because Matt Patricia kept on dropping him in coverage. Uh, you remember, third and three against the Steelers, and he mans him up on Le'Veon Bell on the perimeter. Yeah. And I'm like, what are we doing? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean that's not a good coverage? You don't think that was a good idea? I will say, so I don't know how much you looked at this stuff back then. Trey Flowers coming out of Arkansas yeah. was a great athlete, and then he tore his ACL as a rookie in the preseason. Right, yeah, I remember And it, that. he never totally, like, yeah. pre-ACL tear Trey Flowers, people forget what an athlete he was. But... Yeah, no, I, I think just having him around as a resource, as an asset, you know, if, if they end up activating him and he plays, so be it. But I think it's more just having a good voice in the in the locker room. Okay, uh, wrapping it up here, players to watch for the Titans. Give me give me a couple that you have your eye on. Like players on the Titans I'm watching? No, 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 no. Oh. Like to watch, Patriots players to watch. I think we cover yeah. most of them. Cunningham, I want to see if he gets another look quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, can Kayshawn Booty put the final stamp on it? The running backs, yep. who wins that fourth spot? In in the the pass the run defense and the kickers, so the whole team. I didn't say the secondary. <laughs> I didn't mention really any of the starters. I'm kind of good on the starters. So uh, I gotta admit, I I, I do kind of want to see a, a little bit of something from Juju if he, if the starters okay. play. I I'm not pressing panic buttons or anything like that. And I mentioned earlier in the show, I feel like maybe he's the type of guy that. Once the bright lights turn on in the regular season, the the flip the the switch will flip and and it'll, we won't talk about this anymore. I just haven't seen a ton of juice out of Juju uh, with his route running and with his ability to get open in the in the practices or in the little bit of film we saw against the Packers. So I, I hope to see a little bit more. 
I don't know. I mean, this is the guy you brought in to replace Jacoby Myers, and right. I, at the same time, I think that you might get get lucky, and or I, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. And uh, Kendrick Bourne might end up just being that guy, anyways. So it, it might end up being fine. Uh, but you did, you thought you were moving on from Jacoby Myers to Juju. I banged the table for it. I said, oh, he's better after the catch. He's a more dynamic player. Uh, I also feel like you paid him a pretty good yeah. amount of money and i just i don't know i've seen a little bit you know of it in the middle of the field crossers in cuts red zone i think that it's existed uh, but not a whole lot of burst down the field we'll see uh, how he looks i i'm i'm steadfast with jj taylor i want to see if jj taylor has another big game i think that that's going to be the final uh seal of approval for him and i think the same goes for Keyshawn booty i think both those guys yeah, but every take every impression you got, right? And I think that they got one more, and and this is it. Other than that, I think defensively, you know, we mentioned it in the roster projection thing. I it feels like it's the like defense is kind of easy to project right now. There's a lot of veteran guys. There's a lot of returners. Uh, it's pretty much status quo on that side of the football. I think some fringe guys like a Mac Wilson, for example, we mentioned him. I think that he's somebody that's that's still fighting for a roster spot. Josh Bledsoe, Sam Roberts, um, those types of players maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I you don't you're not it seem you don't seem anywhere near as uh, as concerned about Juju as I am. No, I, I, you kind of said it before. I think he's a guy that when the regular season begins, he'll, he'll click on. He's looked good enough in practice with Mac that, I'm, yeah, you know, let, let's see it in the, okay. in, the, in the games that matter. I, I, I fair. Do you think we see? Well, he's been hurt, so I don't know. If, or limited. I don't know if we'll see any more Pop Douglas than we've already seen. I don't seen. think so. No, he is. Uh, he's buried. He is fully buried. We'll see him week one. He's, they, they parked the Ferrari in the garage, and they yeah. are leaving the Ferrari in the garage until summertime. Yeah, that, that's what it is. Yikes! I don't know. I, I still don't know how I feel about that. I I, I we talked about it on on the sports hub yeah. on Monday. I I don't love it. it. You know, it went from this thing where you were super encouraged by like, wow, there's this rookie wide receiver, and they're not even really playing him because yeah. they feel so comfortable where he's at. That's awesome. And then it became, uh, well, maybe play him a little bit so he yeah. can get you know up to speed with the NFL. And if he starts slow, I think there's going to be a lot of second guessing that decision. Yeah, I I don't I don't deny that. I, I agree with you 100. percent It. I have never seen in our time covering the team, uh, maybe you remember a better example, I have never seen them bury a rookie like this, like a, no. a sixth-round rookie. Like not, We're not talking about Christian Gonzalez getting starter treatment. Right. Like we're talking about – I mean, Christian Gonzalez hasn't even gotten started. He's played, no. he's played a ton in the preseason. He's played – I think he was somewhere around 30 snaps both games. Yeah. So he's played a ton. Uh, Keon White, you know, Houston game, he's out there. Uh, right away and in, in playing like I it just it's bizarre that they have buried him so much I think we're beyond the the bury him for the practice I, squad yeah Ingle, I said so. this a few weeks ago I, they might be higher on him than we are so it's two quite things is he either he's hurt yeah he's been hurt this whole time or they're so high on him that they just don't want the rest of the league to know well, it could be a little bit of both too yeah there, there could be a little bit of oh oh what's that you, you stubbed your toe last night all right yeah. we'll just you know go hang out over here yeah I we'll mean, get to you when we get to you but and this is I get it. There's gamesmanship for every team. But, like, once it's on film against Philly, it's, like, the, the cat's out of the bag. So you have one game yeah. that maybe you could take the Eagles by surprise with. But once once he's out there against Philly and playing a lot and catching passes, it's it's over. Like, Well, you, it is and it is. I mean, you're going to do multiple things. His role will build throughout the year. But, yeah, it. they really want to beat Philly. They want to get started off on the right foot. They want to win in front of hey, Tom, all of that. That's fair. All right, uh, that's going to do it here. Uh, uh, hey, come on, you got to give me two minutes right. on this. Oh my we God. have the time. All right, go ahead. Yeah, 
I posted this morning on 98fathersports.com. My annual college football season is starting. Here are some potential Patriots draft picks to watch as Evan pulls out his phone. Yep. They're going to draft one of these guys, and you're going to end up loving them. And I'm going to be like, remember when you were on the phone when we had this conversation we were talking about this? All right. College football. Here, potential Patriots. College football I'm for just, week zero, which is like no, the draft is the, next year. We're talking draft. It's, we're talking draft. Week zero is like the preseason for college football. If, it's like when it's Alab- not. That's not what it is. It's like when it's Alabama to the Hall plays of Fame like game. Appalachian State. No, that nobody played. There's 70. seven games total. It's not what it is. Oh, my God. So anyway, it's even worse than that. Blake Corum running back for Michigan. Nasty. If Ramondre is in oh, a contract yeah, year, they might need, use a running back pick high. They need more running backs, 100%. They have one running, like one real running back in a contract <laughs> next year. He's in a contract here. Jacob Cowing, wide receiver from Arizona. Oh, yeah. I know him. You don't? No. Really good route runner. <laughs> if Juju doesn't work out, you're going to like this guy. Okay. He's a really good route runner. Um, He's also, he played for Jed Fish. So you have that ah, connection. The connections. Cade Stover. They're going to need a tight end next year. Cade Stover, tight end from Ohio State. Stovers. Stover. Stover Mac and Cheese is really good. Uh, 6'5", 255, converted defensive end. Oh, so he's. The opposite of Keon right, White. Reverse Keon White, who uh, had a very productive season last year. Here's your guy. All right. This guy's supposed to go. So there's three tackles in this draft. Two are yeah. supposed to go in the top ten. Joe Alt. Not Joe Alt. He's supposed yeah. to go in the top ten. Patriots are picking him. that high. They need a quarterback. J.C. Latham, yeah. Alabama's right tackle, 6'6", 360, projected first-round so, pick. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, in like the NCAA game where they don't have the names yeah. or they didn't have the names? I feel like there's so many Alabama linemen that you could just label them like that in the NFL. Just like, oh, Jonah Williams, Alabama left tackle. Yeah. <laughs> like, just... J.C. Latham's going to be the guy you're going to be pounding ah, the table yeah. for. Okay. Uh, you like to talk about that thing where when there's a star on a team, the Patriots pick the other guy? Yeah. So Jared Verse, the defensive end from Florida State, is a projected top five pick. Yeah. The guy that plays on the other side of him is a guy named Patrick Payton. Some Josh Uche vibes. Okay. I your, like him. Your clock is ticking. Max Melton, cornerback from Rutgers. Oh, blocked, you've been telling me about Max four Melton punts for last 17 year. years. How is Max Melton still in college? Because he keeps you've going been, back to school. I don't know. you telling me about this Finally, three years. if they let Kyle Duggar walk, which they shouldn't do, yeah. Cooper DeGene from Iowa plays boundary corner, slot corner, box safety, defensive end, returns kicks, returns punts, covers kicks, covers punts. Uh-huh. Scored three defensive touchdowns for Iowa last Cooper year. Dijon. Uh, Cooper DeGene. Cooper oh, Cooper That That's probably that he's going to be in the conversation for them in the first round next year all right all right are you done yeah that's it all right on that note no kickers thank god uh we are wrapping it up here the pu crew is here and as fred kirsch walks by and deuce is uh behind the glass as well alex you're sticking around i am sticking around sticking around so pu is starting in about seven minutes thanks so much guys we'll talk to you next week bye Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.